Oh, sound it, Timmy boy. Welcome back. Well, it's good to be back, Chris. It's oh, been too long. It has. It's way too long. And you know one thing I've noticed? What's I that? don't. I get so excited in these intros that I don't even like say welcome back to another episode of The Refill. Of course, we should. I mean, it's a branding exercise. It really is. So welcome back to another episode of The Refill. I am soon-to-be seven-time Diamond Valley Badminton <laughs> champion, <laughs> wow. Chris Bowen. You are... I am Bob Hawke's favourite son. And oldest or youngest? Uh, I would say... You haven't established where you are in the pecking order. I don't even know how many siblings I have. He's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a rascal. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm Robert. the black sheep. The black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it is absolutely great to be back. We've had a little bit of a... Not a hiatus, but it was like just a little bit of a time uh, off. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, recharge, refresh. It didn't make much sense for us to record an episode in between finals from when we did this, the last no, episode. No, And I think we've been justified because not only do we have a massive finals episode, there's also been a fair few bombshells in the world of sport and in Little particular boy. AFL that we need to get through. So Yeah, well, look, we're an AFL show. Well, we're two... We're from Victoria. We're two blokes from the Green Wedge. We're from the Green Wedge. Um, the heart, know, of the f- heart of foot, uh, footy heartland. Basically, the, the the beating heart of AFL football mm. in this country is where we are. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. Um, and why don't we start with the All-Australian team that was announced? Any Literally. This is literally like, going to be a live reaction. Yeah, live reaction, which is um, which is nice. Yeah, I've got the side here. All right, who we got? So... Uh, from the back line, we have Tom Stewart, Stephen May, Braden Maynard. Half back line, Jack Sinclair, Sam Taylor, Adam Saad. The centre line, two Camilla, uh, Clayton Oliver, Callum Mills. The ruck is Max Gorn, Patrick Cripps, and Lockie Neal. Half forward, Petrarca, Cameron, Shy Bolton. Forward, Kerno Hawkins, Tyson Stengel. And the bench is Blitzass. Mm-hmm. Brayshaw, Heaney, and my man Connor Rosie. First thoughts? My first thoughts are it's a bloody good side, and there's mm. not many um, that I would argue with, to be honest. I, I'm not sure Heaney had as good a year as people think. Agreed. I think I think clearly he's a good player, and he played in a good side. But I don't. Mm. I reckon there's better players than him. I agree. I'm super, super, super happy to see my man the Band Aid get named, and that is Jack Sinclair. Yeah, you, you were spooking him. Yeah. He's very good. Yes. Uh, I unfortunately I've had to watch a fair few number of St Kilda games this year. Mm, that's that's not not by my choice. You can't choose who you love. I don't think anyone would choose to watch mm, St Kilda. Games. Some people do. Okay, and I don't know why. But um, I call him the Band Aid because if you watch him play, like they're bad. <laughs> if he wasn't playing, it's a it's a it's a it's a smorgasbord it's for a gaping, forwards. It's a it, gaping wound. It's it's a gaping wound. It's a shark attack <laughs> type wound. So yep. very happy for him. The band aid nickname. Not sure if that's going to take off. But uh, well, you can just all you can do is try. All I can do is just force it down people's throats. Yep. Um, and Connor Rosie had a unbelievable year. Yeah, was kind of like a bit of a not a whipping boy, but like there was a real. Um, there's a real sense that he was one of those players who fires when the team is good. Yeah. And when they're bad, he kind of just goes a little bit of downhill scare vibe. Yeah. We were bad all year. He was great all year. So yep. very happy for him. 
Um, copped a lot of crap as well because of the cane corns. You know, he's better than Walsh. Yeah, and that's that's just one of those things he's going to have to deal with just because of the volcano. Um, yeah. I would have probably put. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Bulldogs. I would have thought Bontempelli had a better year than Heaney? Question mark. Mm. Or, who, or who would you put in? Like who's who's a who's a, bl- a glaring omission? Um, look, I'm not going to say Cox from Fremantle because I think. Some people were like, how did he get in the squad? But like, yeah. um, not to spoil it, but we do have a very credible uh, reference talking uh, back up this statement. Fremantle's back line is so good and mm. so good this year. Yeah. Just kind of seems, kind of seems like it, the, it's wrong that there's no All-Australian representative from that back line because of how good they were. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not saying Cox goes in. I'd have to look at the entire list of the 44. Who, the 44. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Callum Wilkie, once again, St Kilda, but like he had, yeah. oh, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. you can't get, you can't oh put God. any, you can't put any more than one St Kilda. No, player. I know, but sure, oh, Chee Wizzy had a, had a good year. Tom Jonas also, we're going to talk about Backman, mm-hmm. also played well. well but, what, do, um, um, what do you think about Tom Hawkins, captain? Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not one of those people who likes to complain too much about the the side. Like, I don't love the fact that wingers typically don't get like on the like. Well, there's no wingman playing on the wing. You know, yeah. Sard's on the wing. Oh, sorry, Miller's on the wing, and Mills is on the other wing. Yeah, you know, they're not the two best wingers in the comp. The best, nah. Mills is kind of Mills kind of plays everywhere except the wing. Yeah, so, so and look, I get that. I know that, and look, I think the captain is just probably a reward for yeah. consistency and, and maybe a bit legacy. of stature. Yeah, legacy. Yeah, like it's what a legacy for the game. Like Franklin's being captain, so I don't, I don't mind seeing Big Tomahawk with, yeah. the, with the captaincy next to him. I'll no take issues. it. That's fine. No issues with that. Happy for happy for that them to do that. So yeah. no, look, overall, I reckon it's it's a pretty bloody solid team. Mm. Yeah. Um. I don't. I I don't know if people will say like Maynard shouldn't be in there. He, well, <laughs> he, look, he, watching Maynard, he should be in there. He's uh, especially his second half of the year. Yeah. He has won games mm. for Collingwood off. He's just sheer desperation and will. Yeah. So yeah, you can't argue. You can't argue. And with I don't his think year. he can have. Like, he's the only Collingwood rep. I, I think you have to have one from a top four team. That's and and Freo have only got Brayshaw, but I think you need to have at least if you're playing finals. You need to be represented in the All Australian team, at least one player. Yep. No, couldn't uh, couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, massive stick taps to you. We've got a. You went out on a limb and said this is going to be a big episode. I did, knowing the address book that I have and my unwillingness to socialize, leave my house, and yep. want to talk to people. Mm-hmm. You knew that there was going to be a one man show, and. You, look, look I, I got the I got the phone out. I uh, you were like um, you were like Woj on on trade deadline. Yeah, I uh, the phones out. I hit up I hit up some uh, some people I knew, and um, they were all very kind to respond. Mm. Um, whether they feel sorry for me, or whether they just genuinely wanted to talk footy, I dare say it's probably a bit of both. But now we've got a, a cracking lineup ahead. And if you're one of those people who likes to see people who don't know me. Have a crack at me and sledge me, buckle in because you'll enjoy. Because yep. there are a couple of little zingers 
Which is great. Yeah, that's what we I want. I loved it. That's what we want. I loved it too. So, yeah, so massive um, stick taps to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's going to be a big episode. Huge. Big episode. We can't stray away from what our loyal listeners, who we love so much. Our bread and butter, if you will. Yeah, our uh, our our RSLs. You know, you can't go to you can't go to your rock pools every night. No, you know? sometimes you, you need, need your the um, steak night. You do. Yeah. So, um, pa- will- just sorry, just quickly, yeah. pepper or mushroom sauce? Pepper. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really much of a mushroom kind of guy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I sort of I can chop and change between two. Yeah, I'm a garlic butter. Oh, okay. Yeah, bit of a fatty livered individual really so <laughs> i like my beers in bulk mm-hmm. and i like my yeah i mean I, I assume garlic. i assume you're medium rare though with your steak yeah i don't like to say medium rare i just say medium yeah because okay. i just don't like to be difficult yeah if Are you had you? said I'm, I'm a well done steak guy with garlic butter i would have there would have been some questions coming, i don't like to eat I've fallen off my bike before and I've eaten tarmac. I don't like to Yeah, exactly. I don't like to pay for so it. Let's have a little bit of taste, please. Yeah. No, well said. Uh so uh what we'll do is we will throw it over to everyone's second favourite segment of the show. The late news with Sandra Sully. Tens late night news with Sandra Sully. We begin with the signing of Keeping You Informed, Keeping You Involved, Keeping You In Touch. Australia's most established late news service, the late night news with Sandra Sully. Weeknights on ten. Thank you as always to the smooth and She's a workhorse. Oh, she is just she ever? It just head down, bum up, gets it done every week. She's retired. She, and she's well, she not, comes not, back. Well, she not comes, from our not from our hearts. No, but she comes back to do the voice recording for mm. every episode. Yeah, we do she appreciate it. it. Almost, she, almost sounds the same. Almost. That's so, how that's how professional she is and consistent. That's to you, Sandra. Speaking of professional, uh, first first news item. What have you got for us, Alistair or Alistair Clarkson becomes the 40th head coach in the history of the North Melbourne Football Club, a.k.a. the Shinboners. Um, it's a great coup. Welcome back. Yeah. Well done to Dr. Sonia Hood. Dr. Sonia Hood, yep. That um, is the only person I'm going to congratulate. Yep, I am uh, not going to congratulate anyone else. Yep. Um, nor should we. <laughs> no, nor should we. Um, I think it's a uh, it's an amazing get. I know history says that coaches have won a premiership and then gone to another club very rarely win one for the new club. I think Mick Malthouse was probably the exception in recent times. Regardless of that, they just were so rudderless and so in need of someone with some presence mm. and experience to just take this and steer um, and get them into a place where they can be respected and competitive again so it's a no-brainer if you could get him and they got him so yeah well done I mean, obviously every club is going to say you know our goal is to win the premiership like yeah. yeah let's say let's say he coaches for five years right and then says yeah. that's my time mm. if he doesn't win a premiership there's there's probably a very very strong chance that it his time there is going to be looked at still as a success oh yeah or he, i think him making them competitive and not a basket on field case. and not a basket case is a success. Yeah, everything after that is a is a bonus. Honestly, a hundred percent. They are coming from a long way back. Yeah, so it will be very interesting to see 
what sort of a player personnel off season they have. Like um, Jason Horn Francis had a bit mm. of a peculiar end to the year where he's um, first game back home in Adelaide. He was dropped yep. for missing a uh, what looked like a recovery session or whatever. Like he, did you want to get in the ice bath? Didn't want to get in the ice bath. Have you been in an ice bath? Um, I'm not a well endowed man. I did not volunteer to get into an ice bath. No, me like I mean, I've, I've I've had to deep dive into an esky a couple of times, and it sort of got almost you know the almost forearm, yeah. yeah, sort of forearm deep, and that was enough. Oh, it's geez, it's it's hard. Yeah, especially would, when you're yeah. doing that like 27 times a day. You pay me a professional um, athlete's wage, I'll go in an ice bath. But until yeah, then, right. it's not going to happen. Yeah, but um, no, well done to North Melbourne. Um, happy to see them. Land him over Essendon, obviously, which we'll get into <laughs> probably shortly. <laughs> boy, oh, oh boy. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, well done, North Melbourne. Um, good luck to Clarko. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it does kind of feel like next year, I'm not sure how much he's getting paid. Like, it's a, it's over a schmill. Yeah, and safe look, to say. Uh, I, I don't know about no. that. I, I don't know. I, I, but he's not getting paid the same wage you and me are getting paid. Let's put it that way. No, he's not as... Not as on as much as us, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it it does feel like you know a yeah it's it's a it's a win win situation because like he could lose the first five games and they'd be not as bad and people are like well the med- you know, the med- like oh look yeah. at the, the list is still crap the, but the, then he wins one and everyone's like oh, the genius the master coach yeah. the goat the media aren't going to come for him for a long time. No, and that's what they've bought themselves. The kangaroos they've bought themselves themselves time with him, which is which is it's precious, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> is it ever? Um, speaking of precious, Adam Kingsley becomes the third head coach in the history of the Greater Western Sydney Giants Football Club, also known as the Orange Team. <laughs> I say precious because Adam Kingsley is the reason why I go for Port Adelaide. Yeah, so I was going to ask you: Are you now a Orange Team member? I am. A Orange team member because he was at Richmond as an assistant coach. I am happy to head over to the Orange team to support him. Yep. Um, you know, memberships are they're affordable at the uh, at the Giants. Surely there's a waiting list for the memberships in Bankstown or wherever, whatever's in Western Sydney. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but no, very, very, very happy for him. He's um, he comes well, with a lot of a lot of. Well, he, yeah, highly credentialed, and he ran. Like a close second to Craig McRae and Michael Voss mm. for those two jobs. Um, Did you see the pipes on him? Is that a new thing? Was he piped up at Port Adelaide? Oh, he was like a no, like he wasn't like a wasn't like a Michael Voss no, like type. Just a, just type a, just a normal normal, right? Yeah, just some just the off. Obviously, making making most of the Swinburne Centre gym facilities. Just to, we just want to make sure there's no Stephen Dank. No, no, no. We don't want to make any accusations like <laughs> no, that towards it. Richmond. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. One I of our lawyers to... is down at the moment. He's on he's on sick leave. Uh, yeah. He's dealing with dealing with some nose issues. So we we're down a lawyer. Some nose issues. De- is that code for rehab? No, no. <laughs> allegedly, no, allegedly. <laughs> Our lawyer can't sue us, so we can actually we can say that about him. But no, uh, touch wood. Hope, yeah, touch wood. Hopefully, Jack gets better soon. But no, he uh, yeah, Kingsley has some massive massive guns, and uh, at his age, good on him. Yeah, no, very very happy to see him. He was the one I was desperate for Port Adelaide to get. Uh, yeah, I thought. I mean, I spruced it early in this um, in the year, we and I told you not to tease me, and you fucking tease me. Yeah, oh well. Yeah. So, 
So, yeah, great, great. Very, 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 very happy for him. Um, even yep. though I shit on Port Adelaide, what I got to experience as a kid was a very, uh, very cool moment. You know, not a lot of kids are very lucky enough to do that. And that formed my love for the football club, which ruins my life now. So, I still yep. hold a, I still hold a, a candle close to my heart for him, and I hope he does very well in Western Sydney. Yeah, I think he will. That He's might have to great. come out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in, in, in any other segment, maybe our favourite segment. But oh dear, <laughs> but Kevin Durant uh, rescinds his trade request and will play for the Brooklyn Nets in the 2022-23 NBA season. Kevin, I have some real. Harsh thoughts about this. Do we should we save them for my for later on? Well, I, he's not a part of my stock market segment. No, but he's, so yeah, okay. Well, you, you give yours, I, and then I I'll say, save mine. I'll just say this, right? So he's under contract for four years. Yeah, had four years left on his contract. Yep. And the press release comes out, and it's like you know the you know, Kevin Durant and the Nets have come to an agreement that he will remain a part of the team. You have a contract, Kevin. <laughs> it's, they could let yeah. you. They could let you sit on your ass if you wanted. Yeah, and you could you could get some moisturizer and fix the flaky skin of his. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I sold NBA <laughs> player loyalty like recently, didn't I? Because did, of this, yeah. yeah. Oh, just it it just does me. It, it really does my head. And it's it's hard for me to get around the NBA because of stuff like this. Yeah, because like how how are you doing that? I just touched on like Adam Kingsley and the experience I had as a kid, like. Imagine if you're like a passionate, like you know. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, it is. Um, that side of things is just turning to. Oh, it's, yeah, it's gone too, too, too far the it's other gone way. Way too far. So, yeah. Look, I'll I'll have my. Have, my you have your say because like I'm not educated in this, and there's no point. Oh, look, I'm not much better it. educated, but um, I, I will save it for um, our other favorite segment. Yeah. No. Well said. Uh, next one. Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres is suspended for 80 games after violating the MLB's performance-enhancing drug policy. So let me tell you about Fernando Tatis Jr., mm-hmm. one of the most exciting players in the game yep. and a real like $500 million contract type of player. Okay, right. Um, How old? Oh, he'd be early 20s. Yeah, right, okay. Like, Maybe like twenty two. Future ahead of him. Question. Question without notice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, question without notice. Uh, but he got. So I'm not sure what the drug was that he got. He got busted on. But he came out with a, an excuse saying that he was treating, trying to treat ringworm, which I thought was something okay, commonly found in dogs. Yeah. And just animals. I didn't realize that was in humans. Maybe that's un, me being uneducated again, but. Well, the, the giveaway was when he was sort of like scraping his ass along the... On the, the dugout. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, now up to bat, Fernando Tatis Jr. And you're like, you're like oh boy, can someone get him a bone? Uh, this is pretty disappointing, like, because he's like one of those, he's one of those players that... And 80 games, is that a full, that's not a full season. That's half it? a season. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The season's 162. It's um, a big season. But from the... From the what I've read in the media and the fans, it seems like that. And I don't know anything about the drug. Have not looked at anything to do with the drug. But the ringworm excuse doesn't seem like it was a top doesn't, shelf. Doesn't one. feel like it washes. No. Yeah. So the I think the 
there was a there are a few conspiracy theories that like he that San Diego was like a pretty ordinary team for for a while, and then they've they've obviously got generational talent like this, and then they've spent some more money, and now they're very they're sort of underperforming, and yeah, the little struggles that come with it, and baseball has a long history with um, PEDs, so yeah. Disappointing, because um, yeah, probably one of my probably my favorite player to watch. To be honest, um, yeah. love watching, love watching the 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 great man. But love the way he goes about it. Yeah, love the way he just cracks in. <laughs> <laughs> but not now, not for the next eighty no, games. No, exactly. So yeah, see you later. Um, next headline. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Essendon fire Ben Rutten and scorch earth. Half the board and the CEO, and it is all happening down at Tullamarine, the hangar. Mm, as um, um, the great Bill Laurie says, it's all happening. Yes. Um, so what do we make of this? Where are they at? It's clearly a watershed moment, line in the sand, as Dave Barham said originally. Oh, Jesus but they, Christ. But they do need to... Like, uh, the thing for me which I found really fascinating is that They've called for an external review. Great. Yeah. But then they've they've made assumptions on, on, what, what, on what the outcome's going to be. Yeah. Oh, we need an experienced coach. This is going to happen. And it's like, well, maybe just wait till the external review uh, tells you what you might yeah. need to do. I mean, I think it's pretty telling to me that most of the people who have not been let go and have gone on their mm. own accord were probably the people who were pushing for that internal review, yeah, and probably know that what an external review is gonna is gonna bring. Look, say what you want about Ben Rutten, whether you think he was up to it as an AFL coach, yep. I'm not gonna get into that. The way he was treated was absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. There is no person, man, woman, deserves to go through what he went through, and you could see how much of a toll that took on him. It did. And, uh, I, I mean, I hats off. Oh, absolutely. Hats off to him. And you know yeah. what he's – and it would have been extremely tough for mm. him to bite his tongue and not just really? lose it. Yeah. But what it has done for him is it's guaranteed that he'll get jobs in the industry moving yep. forward. Like yeah, and a, rightly so. And, yeah, absolutely. And I think he's widely respected as a great bloke. And clearly he was part of um, Richmond's success for a period of time as a – as an assistant coach there, so mm-hmm. I think he'll get he'll definitely get another job in the industry. But geez, it would have taken some real monk like patience to taken um, probably 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 a lot of what he had, mm-hmm. most of what he had to sort of get through that sort of a couple of weeks because you know we spoke about it with the on the episode with Julian De Stoop the um what do they call it the you know the door drop kind of a oh, door stop yeah door stop like. You know that being yeah. hounded, being hounded like that, and going like, "Do you have a comment about you know the potential of Alistair Clarkson coming yeah, in?" Yeah, like, no good. What do you mean? Like, imagine yeah. if you, imagine if you or I were hounded on our way to work, going like, "Do you have a comment about you know John Citizen, you know, coming to take your job?" Yeah, I'm like, Man, "Good luck." Like, but exactly, it's yeah. just. It no, just must no be so hurtful. Well, it is. A, it is the nature of the beast, and they do go in eyes wide open. But having said that, it doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't give you people an excuse to treat people that way no 100 percent. i do want to touch on this um michael hurley uh played his last game yep, yep. uh a friend of mine from school not a close friend i'm not gonna not gonna be one of those people but 
I did go to the game and was with about sort of 40 or 50 people who I went to school with. Haven't seen a lot of them for a long time, That's including great. like like some really close friends like from my childhood. Yeah. Um, great night. Oh, my God. One of the best nights I've had. Um, seeing him kick that goal with them, absolutely unbelievably All special. Yeah. A lot of the guys who were really good mates with him, we were, we were sort of sitting in that pocket too. Yeah. And they had already gone down to sort of the front row, so they had the perfect seat for it. Yeah. Um, an unbelievable, and that's, an unbelievable and that's what that's the great thing about footy. That's, it is because you yeah. see the Richmond players getting around him. Yeah, and I got goosebumps like talking about it. But like, yeah. yeah, to see to see that after I guess the, the sort of the two years he's had um, is absolutely incredible because his entire time at Essendon has pretty much been a bit of a uh, a, a bit of a, a Look, basket he, catch. Yeah, he like, burst onto the scene. My big memory of him is he kicked a real big clutch goal on the left foot in uh, a final for Essendon. Uh, I think yeah. that was in the Matty Knights era. Yeah. Um, and then he got hampered with injury and then obviously the, the whole um, the whole saga with Essendon just ruined anyone whose career was there. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like yeah, the infection was... Quite sick, like the, very. To, yeah, yeah, like I think, and I think you could you could still tell now he's he's dealing with it. So, yeah. and uh, good on him. It was great, great that he got a send off game. Yeah, no, I tip the hat to the big fella because yeah, he thoroughly deserved that, and it was um yeah, honestly one of the, one of the better things I think I've seen in footy uh, recently. So, yeah, very happy with that. Um, moving into uh, another positive story. Um, Canberra Raiders head coach Ricky Stewart is fined twenty five thousand and suspended for one game after calling Penrith Panthers player Jamin Salmon a weak gutted dog. Oh, <laughs> so I'll explain what happened because I'm pretty sure you're probably not. No, really I'm aware. hearing this for the first time. Um, yeah. So what happened was there was a obviously so Canberra a, Canberra is who Ricky coaches was the playing. Milk. Yeah, go that milk was playing against Penrith, who Mr. Selman plays for. And there was like this weird kind of like he was tackled and he tried to like kick his legs out, with, which a lot of rugby yeah, players do. do. And he yeah, kind of yeah. like looked like he was kind of like kicking kicking at him. And um, then, yeah, there's a press conference at the end of the game and he literally just went like lost it. Um, so he he has known that Selman, that Jamin Selman, since he was a kid, because he played juniors with Ricky Stewart's with his son. Oh, so there's and history. And so there's history there, which I think is very personal between Clearly. his son. Yeah. And um, yeah, basically said he goes, I've known this kid since he, I've known him since he was a kid. He was a weak gutted dog then, and he's still a weak gutted dog now. And everyone was just like, everyone was just like, Luke Darcy, like, say that again. Like, and then the. Um, you know, the NRL fines board was just going, cha cha cha. They were like, this is going to be nice for the wow. end of season trip fund. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, wow. Very bizarre thing to say. Well, clearly there's a history then. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't... Uh, well, it puts a little bit of um, context to it. It does, but it doesn't explain why. And he, he, well, The next question is what happened with him and his son. Correct. But I've got another question for you. Mm. Without notice. Without notice. Why do we use a dog who we love <laughs> this is a to, good question, to associate yeah. with something that's considered as a real low act? Yeah, that's a great like question. that's a dog act. Yeah, it's, um, that's a great question. I've, I've actually thought about that, that myself a, a few times. A bundle of happiness act. 
licked him to death. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I thought of, I've often thought of that myself. I yeah. don't know. It's but, just obviously something that's come from, uh, you know, maybe the Victorian era, ions ago. But um, yeah, it can go. As yeah, far as I'm yeah. concerned, it's, it's left the green wedge. So what? So what? <laughs> it's left the green wedge. I've kicked it out. What do we replace dog with then? What's it? What's an animal that? Um, is it a rat? <sighs> I was going to say something. I was gonna, not going to say an animal. I was going to say a. Um, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah, no, bring it back to an animal. What yeah. Do we, what do we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know if there's a there's an an. an oh, oh, I'm going to say magpie. No, 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 hang on. Behave. I'm saying a magpie because of like, for like six months of the year, they're they're scumbags. Well, it's not six. It's about three. It's spring. The swoopy boys. Yeah. (laughs) Flight or fight. (laughs) For those who are unaware, because we don't show these episodes on YouTube, shout out to my dad who says he's been watching him on it. Yeah, Mick. Tim is, what a slog. Can we just quickly say, so... So Chris's dad, Mick Magic Bowen, um, who I would have thought would listen to these episodes. Claims to be a huge supporter of the show, of you and me both. And then um, when asked about... So let me... Here's the context, right? So he said to me, he goes... He said to me, he goes, I really enjoyed the episode you did with um, uh, Brian Vanderwacker, who I had on um, a month ago, the Formula One from Fox Sports. Great episode, yeah. Thank you. And um, I said, said, oh, thanks, I appreciate that. I'm like, did you... I'm like, did you see the the last episode I did with Tim? And he goes, he goes, yeah. I, I, he goes, I, I watch them all. And I go, well, I go, do you have Spotify? No. Do you have Apple? No. I go, well, how do you watch? How do you listen to the episodes of me and Tim? He goes, I watch them on YouTube. I quickly informed him that mm. they're not on there. No. And he goes back. I was like, oh, I'm busy. I've got all this. I don't no, have time me, to do all this. Me, no. Well, don't lie. No. Ship off me. Jesus Christ. Magic. Ship off. I, um, how hard is it to be supportive? Yeah. Very hard to get someone to be supportive of me in, my, in this family. Anyway, I'm anyway. wearing a I'm wearing a jumper that has uh Swoopy Boys fight, fight, fight or, or flight. flight. It's a it's a magpie's <laughs> jumper. Um and it's uh it's a beauty. Uh yeah. it is actually not a bad. It, it looks looks comfy. Super comfy. Uh purchase it at Brown Cardigan if you're interested. Uh not a sponsor of the show yet. No free ads. Uh, <laughs> um, McLaren signs Oscar Piastri, Pastrami, Pis- yeah, Pastrami to pair Lando Norris as their 2023 F1 driver, leaving Daniel Ricciardo potentially without a seat. Now, this is this has been weird how it played out. Like mm. we had, um, uh, who was the team that announced he was going to he was driving Alpine. Alpine announced it, and then Oscar said, In negative. He said, uh, yeah. And so Daniel Ricardo's still got another year of his contract left. Correct. Uh, so they'll have 21 to, million. So they're going to pay out 21 mil. Um, and then, so, question without notice. Yeah. If he, they pay him out 21 mil, and then he gets another seat, that's on top of the 21 mil. So, look, allegedly, mm-hmm. um, which the, a large... Pretty much the largest reason why I got uh, Brian on the show yep. was to talk about this kind of this mess, really, because yeah. it was an utter an utter shit show of a start to the what's known as a silly season. Yep. <clears throat> Here are the rumors, right? So, 
apparently Ricardo's put a $21 million price tag on his head. That's basically said, you want me, you don't want me to drive for you next year? That's fine. You can pay me $21 million. If a Formula 1 team offers him a seat for the next season, yep. what that salary is, Will go to McLaren. Will go to McLaren. So, yeah, so it's so, like it's like yeah, so it's like when a player so he's getting twenty one million dollars regardless. Yeah, which is his right. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, but yeah, look, I went into obviously went into a great length. There are a lot of rumors that uh, Fernando Alonso, who started this by leaving Alpine, yeah, his manager used to be Mark Webber's manager, and yep. he's a bit of a he's a bit of a. F- Funky cat. Oh, okay. Talk about animals and there's a bit of... Uh, bit of what did a cat ever do? Why are they funky? Oh, well, they don't, they don't fight or flight. They just fight. But... Um, yeah. Then, yeah. Apparently, yeah, there's a bit of back doors, a bit of, you know, a bit of how you're going. So, you, going on. Would, so do you expect Ricardo to have a seat next year? I'm not confident of that because it came out that apparently Haas, he had a conversation with Haas and... He won't be driving there. Is that an ego thing? Is he? I don't want to be. Oh, I'm, I'm I don't good think. I don't think that man has an ego. I think he. I think he's very. I think and and no, but he does have pride. Like I don't think. Yes. He, I don't think he'd, he'd want to go to a lower end team. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. With it, call that ego. Call it pride. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I, I've like. I'm happy F1's back this week, but yeah, it's been it's been a hard year for Ricardo fans. Like. It's it's amazing how like it's amazing how quickly people turn on you in sport, isn't it? Yeah, and like, life. The second, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here I am, <laughs> like I turn on people so quickly, and here I am just like crying wolf because it doesn't benefit me this time. But yeah, very yeah, very a lot to play out because like the Alpine has taken it to like the contracts court and. Mm. Who, neither of our lawyers, uh, John, uh, your brother-in-law. No, no, although he'd be, it, yeah. that is actually his wheelhouse. Yeah, and uh, Jack, it's not Jack's wheelhouse. I don't no, know it what is, um, wheelhouse it he is has. John's wheelhouse contract, so um, yeah. they'd be maybe negligent can, in their duties not to speak to him. Maybe when it all plays out, we'll get one of them. Maybe we'll get, we'll get John on. Let's get John on. Yeah, we'll get yep. John on. He can Contract of, law, let's, let's commit two hours to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, Coglin, Duffy and co, uh, for all your... Um, for all your law needs. Mm-hmm. They are a sponsor of the show. Correct. Uh, last one. The Calgary Flames signed the biggest free agent of the NHL summer in reigning Stanley Cup champion Prince Nazim Kadri to a seven-year, $7 million per year deal. What did you think when you woke up and you saw that the Prince had signed with the Mighty Flames? Well, clearly this is the first time I'm hearing it, but what did just <laughs> uh, prick my ears is Prince Nazim used to be a boxer. Yeah, so his real name is just Nazim Kadri. I just call him Prince. But has every Nazim think, become a prince? I think that's I think that's his nickname. I think it's come from that. Yeah, because Prince Nazim, the boxer, was a ripper. Mm. I reckon he was like a flyweight. Oh, he was a good boxer. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we, we should try and get him on. We should. We'll reach out to him. We'll reach out yeah. to his people. Um so seven years, seven million. Uh, that's that's seven mil per. It's not bad. That's good. It thoroughly deserved. He's what you. So seven million per year, not per year. That's seven years, seven million. Is that on the higher end of an NHL contract? Not really. Okay, that's probably in the middle. Okay. Um, the higher end is sort of like twelve to thirteen mil for yep. your elite, elite players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cadre's in the middle, the back end of his twenties. 
Yeah. But he's a – you know those players where you like, they're a, uh, they're a POD, like a point of difference? Yeah. Like a, a bit of a, a bit of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Like a very, very skilled guy, an agitator. Yeah. Gets under people's skin. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. He's, a, he's not quite a unicorn. He's bloody close to a unicorn. Yeah, right. Physical, skilled, unbelievable, and he's fucking coming to Calgary. So well for all you. the haters – who said that we're finished because we lost our two best players. We've got them all back. Yeah, cop that. Yeah, cop that. So, great way to end the headlines. Everyone wants a Calgary Flames update. So many people it's, have been messaging yeah. me. They'll be like, keep, keep updating me on the Flames. I'm going to keep doing it because yep. I run the show and pay the bills. <laughs> so, that is uh, the headlines for this week. I know this is a big, big, long, juicy, fat, thick several C's episode, mm-hmm. but we can't not do the stock market. Have to. It's, it's what the people want. It's, it's the only reason why we do it. Nay demand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How, how many messages do you honestly get saying, Jesus, how good was that stock market segment? Uh, it's, it's countless, obviously. It's unbelievable. I get so many of them. I got three the last episode we well, did. Well, that's three more than I got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just send it to it. Let's send it. It's time for the stock market. Here we go. Take it away. I am buying um, stats. Now, you might go, okay, you know, stats, they're everywhere. Um, okay, nerd. But I am, yeah, and that's fine. I'll, I'll wear that. But I'm buying a particular stat. Yeah. And this one came from Greg Baum, the uh, writer yep. uh, in The Age, I think it is. Baum? 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 Uh, which in... In in terms of when this drops Monday, five days time from now, mm-hmm. Essendon's finals drought will be eligible to drive. Oh, I fucking love that. That and is that's, so good. That's what we call a stat. <laughs> that is a stat. <laughs> I'm buying that stat in particular. So, um, oh look, we don't, we don't like to. No. We've got a lot of people who are fans of Essendon and fans of the show, and that's a that's a little bit of an awkward yeah, situation at I know. Times. There was the accusations made. Mm, the accus- accusations made that we were maybe biased against Essendon, which I, I would... No, we love Essendon. I violently disagree with. Yeah, we love Essendon more than our own teams almost. Yeah, exactly. We love to see them um, mm. struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real bad. That they're doing bad. But, but can that, you imagine that? Like, you imagine you're you're about to turn. You're an 18 year old. You're you're someone who's grown up barracking for us, and you've never seen them in a final. Oh, you've yeah. never seen them win a final. You know, it would be like, funny wow, though. We. You know how you go to some places and it's like you must be 18 to, to to drink or something like that. Yeah. They say you must be like Essendon's finals winning drought before you, to, <laughs> to 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 drink or something like that. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. Yeah, why not? That's definitely going in the the refill episode. No, no, non context. 
post, which was very popular, by the way. Yeah, nice. Just random pictures. People, yeah, I reckon it made people want to want to listen to it. Why not? That's what I'm telling people myself. Uh, good start. My first buy. I've only got one sport one. That's okay. That's I've only okay. got one sport one right. because I had two cracker, cracker personal non-sport That's, buys. Uh, the, what we do is we mailed pop culture and sport and life and we just put them in a, in a hearty stew. A big, hearty, meaty, thick with several C's stew. <laughs> oh, Something that you know, yeah, everyone likes to tuck into. But my first buy is my first buy is final final day of the regular season AFL drama. Like, how good was Sunday? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know how yeah. the EPL, the EPL is very famous where all the games are yeah. on at the same time. Yeah. Not advocating for that, but I'm saying we had a Sunday where we had three games. Yeah. Which had huge finals implications, right? And yep. you couldn't you couldn't look away. You had to watch every game. You had yep. to watch Hawthorne Western Bulldogs to see if the Western Bulldogs were going to win. Yeah, because that meant that the Carlton Collingwood game meant something. Yeah, and then you had to watch that Carlton Collingwood game because you had to watch Carlton fall apart once yep. again. Yeah, and then even like there were finals implicate. There were top four implications in the St Kilda Sydney game, which yep. I went to. And uh, I, but I will just stop you there because. I didn't, sure. I didn't have to watch St Kilda. I'll never um, like volunteer to watch. That's Saint okay. Kilda. As I said, you, you can't choose who you love. <laughs> <laughs> so but no, it was it was, a, it was a ripper, and it was a perfect storm. Mm. Um, and the drama that was just yeah dripping off that Collingwood Carlton. Maybe I'm buying drama. Yeah, well, maybe you are. Neighbours no. is gone. Um, I need drama in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I need a drama fix. There's a deep hole that neighbours have left behind. Mm. Um, which home and away can't feel because I know your status. I know your personal. Oh, I'm off that. Um, you don't like home yeah. and away. Vendetta. Um, yeah, that, I mean it, that's the, that's the AFL dream is that yeah. that going into the final round, going into the final day of the final round, they can you can have every game mean something. Yeah. Now, question for you: the AFL obviously was. I reckon the AFL was happy with how that day played out, right? They'd have to be, yeah. Do you reckon the AFL went into that day wanting Carlton to win? Um, I, I, yeah, I would say yes, just because yeah. I think it was just common sense. Like you, um, Carlton in the finals versus Bulldogs in the finals, bigger membership base, bigger supporter base, mm. more numbers, more bums on seats. If you if it's Carlton, so yeah, yeah I, I think yes. I don't think they would. They'd have a, a preference in terms of they like Carlton more than Bulldogs, but I think in no. a commercial sense, yeah, yes, and then that. And that's what a lot of fan, casual fans don't understand because they're so invested and they're like, oh, the AFL hates my team. The AFL, no, the AFL doesn't hate No, they don't. Team. No. No. The, you know what the AFL hates? Not making money. Just like <laughs> every business in the world. Like yeah. it is a business. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So I reckon, I reckon before it, they weren't, they weren't cheering on Collingwood, which is completely fine. Yeah. Most of the population doesn't do that. But although, although Craig McRae has softened hearts when it comes to Collingwood, you have to admit. You uh, must. You yeah, he must has. Admit. He has because, like, I enjoy watching you play. Yeah. Which I hate to say. Like, Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like, the yeah. fact that you just said that is proof of yeah. he's softened some hearts. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm not I'm, saying that you love Collingwood, but he just softened No, I don't, definitely don't. But I reckon the AFL saw how that Sunday played out and they just thought, oh, that is Gimme. like social, social media engagement. Like, yeah. That's just a tick, tick, tick. Yeah, it was uh, bloody good. It was bloody good. Speaking of which, my next buy is, like, credit when it's due, when you hear something that just is 
first-class elite in any level, you've got to respect it. And Jared Waitley's call oh, of Jamie <laughs> Elliott's goal to sink Carlton was as top-shelf a commentary call in the world that you're going yeah. to get. He, like, honestly, this, the, you know, you, you've talked about wanting to commentate. You had that episode with Julian DeStoop about commentating. Mm-hmm. But just to have that presence of mind and to just articulate what's happening at a split second yeah. in such a way is, it's is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like you're, it's it's freakish. Yeah, um, and we kind of we we dive into that we dive into that a little bit shortly. Yeah, we, we do we, talk about it a little bit further. But like that call, I am buying. Um, oh. You know, it's like Collingwood have closed like the Grim Reaper. Like that's just like if I'm Collingwood's marketing department, I am getting. Yeah, Grim Reapers merchandise. Like, yeah, like this is, and and I will buy it. Like, yeah. I will take oh, the Swoopy Boys off, and I'll put the Grim Reaper top on. Um, You're not alone. Like, there'll be so many yeah. people who would buy that, and yeah. like, it's it's a real good like, um, especially with how Collingwood's season. Like, it's a very it's a very like underdog kind of a season. Yeah, like everyone's kind of been. Well, I'm just going to tell you like this. I'm I'm not alone in the fact that I've been waiting for Collingwood to get that reality check kind of a smashing from teams who we viewed at the start of the year as so far above Collingwood. Yep. Hasn't come. No. So, and I mean like Sydney Sydney gave Collingwood a bit of a touch up, but Collingwood were you know, a bit of a flu going around, due a loss, eleven in a row, probably due a loss. Um and it was at Sydney's home ground, but it wasn't a smacking. It wasn't a smacking. So who knows what's going to happen? But that yeah. that call by Jared Waitley, hats off because that was a stunner. Yep. No. Well done to Jared. So, my first non-sport buy. You sold a collaboration. Yeah, I did. It was the Gucci Adidas collaboration. I'm buying a collaboration, and I know. I think you might know what this collaboration is already. Calgary Flames and Kebabs? Oh, it's very close. It's food-related. I've had some great food takes. Kit Kat and Milo. Ah, now, I actually uh, posted about this on my Insta as well. Yeah. What did you think? I love it. I have had so much of it. Are you... Oh, no. I have had... I had... I had, I bought two blocks off the top because yeah. I thought I'm going to... Uh, there's nothing in the world that's going to say I'm not going to like this. I thought the amount of Milo was underwhelming. So so did I, but there was enough. There was enough. Mm. There was enough in there for me to be a return customer. Yeah, I, said, I just felt like it was, it was too kind of individual. I felt like it was too much, like just a normal Kit Kat. I wanted, you know yeah, what I wanted, right. and, and I'm a very particular in this. I wanted to be able to snap a finger and it falls and have out. Just a little yeah. bit of Milo for that. Yeah, and that I was didn't thinking happen. the same thing. And 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 then in the taste, I just didn't quite get that. My, you know, when you eat yep. it from a can. I know. <laughs> you cough and it yeah, goes cough everywhere. Yeah, cough and it goes everywhere. It's, it's the greatest cough you could ever have. Um, but look, I get, I look, I by all, like, if you offered me one, I, I'm, of course I'm going to have one. But I just felt as a, it was too much weighted to the Kit Kat. Yeah. Not enough for the mile. Yeah. I was happy with it, but I did, I did feel the same way. Yeah. Enough for me to buy it. And I've had bulk blocks of it like yeah. i'm not even lying when i say i've had double digit blocks question question without notice yes am i worried is about it, my weight yes no no i'm not worried about your weight you, you look well <laughs> if you. if 
what is the goat combination that hasn't happened yet? Is there a combination oh, of two chocolate? That's a great question. Um, or whatever it is that hasn't happened that you're like, I, I need this to happen. You know, uh, this gonna, uh, I don't know. You know you know what? Ferrero Rocher, and I'm not saying put Ferrero Rocher in a, in a Kit Kat. No. But Ferrero Rocher is a delicacy mm. in the Chris Bowen household. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the dark chocolate Ferrero. Yeah, okay. which is I think is one is one of the goat yeah. chocolates. I would love to see that do some collaborations with other things. Sure, I don't have anything question without notice, so not prepared for this. Yeah, I would love to see that do some kind of collaboration with Ben and Jerry's. Oh, if they did, if they did a collaboration <laughs> with Ben no, and Jerry's, that's good oh, for that's fuck. good for off the top of your I'd head. Be, I'd be I'd be six feet under, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, so nice. That, so. Yeah, that's a that's a good question without notice. I yeah. like that. I'm gonna start. Think about it. Maybe next pod. Yes, yeah. if you've got if you've got other thoughts. I won't have anything else on my mind. <laughs> um, my last buy, and it's non sport related, but it's oh, look, I I do look. I work in the TV biz, and I love TV. Mm. But um, my last buy is the TV show called Better Call Saul. Yes, which in my Humble opinion of watching telly for the better part of 40 years is the GOAT. It's the best TV series of all time. I just reckon Breaking Bad was top five um, and they just kept that momentum up and they've just cranked out an absolute ripper series. Mm. And the hardest thing to do in telly, in my opinion, is to end a series well. Mm. There's been some shocking ends to see. Like, it, like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones says, hello. Like, yeah, it says, hold my beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me hold my Jack Daniels, yeah. please. Ah, so it's super hard to do, but um, Better Call Saul did it really well. No spoilers, but um, I've never seen an episode. Craig, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, it's it, on the if, list. Yeah, it, uh, watch Breaking Bad first. I would recommend that, and then watch Better Call Saul, and then uh, send in your um, reviews. I will, and the next episode is just gonna, not going to be sport related. It'll just be, it'll just be Ferrero Rocher. Ben and Jerry's and Better Call Saul reviews. There you go. But, yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, yeah, the show is definitely on my to, like, to watch list. Yeah, well, I highly recommend, obviously. Good one. Um, my last buy, and I'm going to start this by speaking in my native tongue by saying... Oh, Jesus. Hauskatatustua heja tervatualoa. You know who I'm buying? I don't know what your native tongue is, and I don't know what you're buying. <laughs> it is the Finnish Prime Minister, ah, Sanna Marin, who yeah, has goodbye. been in the news recently mm. for her party antics. Yeah, well, you can't party these days? Let me tell you this. This is not her first I'm partying video. So I don't, okay. I don't understand the... I don't understand the, the... I don't know what people are so upset about. Like, Well, I wonder... Uh, and we, look, we don't we don't usually get deep into politics here, but I do wonder with Finland uh, joining NATO, uh, Russia's uh, resistance to that, whether there might mm-hmm. be some, um, you know, there might be some forces that are trying to bes- besmirch her reputation, etc. So that would be maybe the reason why. But um, yeah. go on, yes, she has done an absolutely amazing job. For my people, for the country. Can you, sorry, I, I've missed something. What are you talking about? What What is the native? What do you mean? 
Oh, you don't look at me. I've clearly come from Viking, Viking ancestry. Um, no. Just go along with it. You look like a wooden ship. <laughs> <laughs> the big ship. <laughs> no, I've a deep, deep found love for the the country known as Finland, the Finland people. Yeah, Finnish people. Sorry, yep. um, mainly their hockey. Maybe they're what they produce from a hockey point of view, but also love the prime minister uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah, and uh, uh, not to, yeah, she, she's a look. She's a she's um, young, energetic, likes to party. I think anyone who can who can rise to prime minister at the age of uh, thirty six has clearly got some tricks. There was nothing untoward in that video no, as well. well. She's just party, exactly. And she passed her drug test, and everyone cheered, and we move on. Exactly. So I'm buying her. Yeah. Good. Goodbye. Um, and uh, if we could get a translator for the intro there, make sure that was all tickety-boo, that'd be and great. Basically, it was just like, hello and welcome. Okay, sure. Yeah. But as I said, I'll, I'll obviously, have, let's get a translator. Obviously, you forget the fact that I did a Finnish word of the day during COVID, which a lot of people said was worse than what <laughs> Wuhan did to the rest of the world. <laughs> Trying to hear me speak Finnish every hard, day. Hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my buy. Um, God bless. Yeah. God, God bless, bless Finland. God bless. Um, so we're selling. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. We, we are, are selling. We are hitting between the eyes. My first sell, and look, we do touch on this a little bit later in the show, so I won't go into too much detail, but and I don't think this is coming from club land per se. I think it's more the fans. Yeah. But Geelong fans... Um, wah, wanting, wah, 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 yeah, wah. calling the ambulance because they want a final at Cadinia Park whenever they, whenever this time of the year comes around. Spare me, like oh, they already up. get they get they already get all the benefits of a home ground without any of the disadvantages of being an away team at the MCG. You know, big clubs like Collingwood and Essendon and Richmond they left their home grounds to help grow the game, and Geelong are actively trying to shrink the game by wanting. To play finals in a in a you know stadium that can only hold well, at the moment twenty, but ultimately forty. Yeah, cool. Let's play a let's play a qualifying final against the biggest club, the, yeah, probably the biggest sporting franchise in mm. Australia, yeah, in a stadium that holds like twenty five thousand people. Yeah, I mean, what they, are we we're going to play at the Cryo Basketball Stadium when uh, the the Boomers play the Dream Team? Exactly. Uh, they already finish higher due to the advantage that no other Victorian club has, like. You know, it would take a very bad Geelong team to not make the finals given their home ground advantage throughout the season. And then if you do want to, if, if, and here's the sacrifice, if you do want to play Collingwood or a Richmond or an Essendon or a Carlton at Cadinia Park in a final, then you have to make sure that they play their away games every year at Cadinia. And you have, and in turn, sacrificing mm. millions of dollars because you can't have Collingwood play a final at Cadinia Park having not stepped on there since 1999. No. And that's not a sacrifice I'd be willing to make. So Exactly. I've just had a – it comes around every year and it just shits me. So get over yeah. it. You know what it feels like to me? Build a bridge over the West Gate and <laughs> get over it. You know, and you know what it feels like? And a lot of people are going to attack me and they're going to say, remember 2007? No, I don't. I don't remember 2007. I don't remember what happened in 2007, so I'm not well, going to talk about it. Except for the grand final. I remember the grand I'm final. I'm not going to... Uh, <laughs> Unmentionables. You brought Unmentionables. it up. Unmentionables. You brought it up. <laughs> Geelong fans, just getting ready, obviously, riding on the roof of the ambulance. 
Yeah. Just like hanging out. Yeah. Getting ready for their excuse for when they have another underwhelming finals campaign. If they That's do. That's just kind of what it feels like to me. It does. It should be, as Ross Lyon said, anywhere, anytime mentality. Yes, oh, I love that's a great line. That might be the that might be the name for the episode. Anywhere, anytime. Yeah, that is locked in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what it feels like to me. And you know, people can say like whatever they want about me. Yeah. If something feels like it's hot, it's hot, right? Mm. This is what it feels like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's a good one. If it cracks like a duck, it walks like a duck. <laughs> it's like a duck. It's probably a duck. Yeah, it's usually a duck. <laughs> So, my first one is the Prison Bar Jersey Saga. Now, before you... Hang, hang I was on. Saying, I was no, because you'd taken a deep breath, rolled your eyes, almost <laughs> lost your hat, you your head back. <laughs> why do you... What angle do you think I'm selling this from? I don't know. No, the reason why I, I sort of sighed and rolled the eyes is not because... It's because I personally have zero issue with it. If you said... If they said Port Adelaide are now wearing the prison bars, uh, I would not give a shit. I don't care. Yeah. But uh, go on. But go on. I do. I am not from Adelaide. No. I have never once. You're from Finland. I'm from Finland. <laughs> Correct. I'm from a place called Turku, uh, which is in the north-south end. But um, never have you ever heard me say, man, I really want to go to Adelaide. I love Adelaide. I love South Australia. Well, just off air, you didn't know. You haven't. No. You know, you haven't. The, only thing, the only good thing about South Australia is Coopers, in my opinion. And the showdown. I'd love to go to a showdown. Yeah, same here. I got, got vetoed by... Um, management. Anyway, got vetoed, vetoed by management this year, which was fine. Robbie Gray's last game, it's all good. Didn't want to go to that anyway. <laughs> oh, jeez. Went to St Kilda, Sydney instead. Thank you. But I am so sick of this debate every year yeah exactly yeah. why do they need to move on well it's the same Thank as the, it's the same as the Geelong debate yeah it's like at, it comes a stage as, as a good Friday debate all oh. these uh, Collingwood should not Collingwood have hands like day all these debates they're just mind numbing right yeah they really are and it's like so Port Adelaide Port just seems content on having this argument debate every year yeah look I think we should be allowed to wear it do I care what we wear? No. Do I think wearing the jerseys in the room after was a little much? Yes. Yeah, that's a little much. But I don't... I I'm don't, over it. Yeah. I'm so over this discussion every year because you get people who care about it. They're like, you know, they, they start attacking you know, club's history and then the other people start, you know, defending the club. You're just like, wah, wah, wah. Like, I mean, Eddie Maguire was, was passionate about it. He clearly drove it. But I think if you, you know, if you asked... If you ask, well, I reckon if you ask 95% of fans, normal no, fans no who don't really use Twitter or Big Footy, yeah. no one cares. No, so I think whatever, yeah. Go, no, go, good, good, good sell. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of it. I don't care about our club's history. Yeah, we'll make your own history. That's exactly, grow up. We've already won a flag. Yeah. Um, and 2007, you lost a great final. Uh My next sell is... <laughs> <laughs> We mentioned it before, Kevin KD, um, the Durantula, Easy Money Sniper Durant. Um, he's he's all over the shop. This bloke, you know, as you said, as you mentioned earlier, you've got a four year contract. 
you actively made sure that this franchise brought across your boy, Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you made a whole list of demands. They met all these demands. I want Steve Nash. Brought Steve Nash in. Do all this. Four years ago. And after one year, uh, uh, no, I don't like it. Sorry, I don't um, like Steve Nash. Yeah, I don't like Steve Nash anymore. Sorry, and I, I don't, don't, like I don't want to play here. Yeah. It's like, and then, you know, it, it's a two-month absolute circus. And then, and then to go, actually... No, I'll stay. It's all good. It's like, come on, mate. Honestly, like, yeah, obviously, I made my feelings known. Like, it just, yeah. I don't get how you. I, I love drama. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like, at some point, like, enough. Like, it's just, it's too much. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just, it's, you just, you just. You're holding. You're holding it. the. Yeah, you're holding the game hostage, and it's and it's just a lot of. It's a little bit of me, 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 me. That's know. what basketball is, honestly. Yeah. And like, uh. I, Talking about like, like guys like you know Kevin Nance Jr. or whatever his fucking name is. Larry like, Nance, yeah. Yeah, sure. There you go. That says that says it all. He, like he'll be like, oh, I'm the most unguardable player in the year, and you're like, no, you're not. Like you're not even you're not, not even, even a first team player. You're yeah. not even you're not even you're a junior. You're not <laughs> even a senior. Larry Nance Jr. Senior or whatever. He'd be all over you. So, uh, look, I understand that it's an ego sport. I understand that these guys are super, super, superstars. They make millions and millions. Yeah, they do. But it's just, it rubs me the wrong way, this kind of... Yeah, as we said earlier, the balance is out. The balance is... It's tipped too far the other way. Yeah, and I don't like it. And plus, he left, you know, he left my team, the Thunder, to chase a ring with a team that beat the Thunder. Uh, Give me a, you know, ship off. Grow up. Grow up, honestly. He's in my kitchen. Yeah, you don't want to be in the kitchen, yeah, no. especially not this time of night. Good one, I like that. Uh, my next one, I'm selling the F1 summer break. Yeah, it is a long break. What is it? Why? Uh, I mean, look, I I understand it. Like as glamorous as the life sounds from a driver, you drive to this thing. Oh look, no, I'd, I'd say it's brutal. The travel schedule, a logistical yeah. nightmare yeah. for so many people. Yeah, they need a break and. It's five and, weeks? Yeah, it's about four or five weeks. And think about, like, this is, like, the peak summer time in a lot of places where they probably would be racing. Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, you can't be racing, like... I, I went go-karting oh, on yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah, like, you'd heat... The drivers heat up and the, yeah, and I the went, equipment heats up. Yeah, I went go-karting on the weekend, right? Yeah. In 15-degree weather. Yeah. I was physically exhausted after two races, which went for 20 minutes each. Yeah. So, like, think about what these that guys... The, um, that was the Milo Kit Kats talking there. No, but... you know what it was? That was two iced lattes, a piece of, <laughs> a piece of banana bread and half a chocolate bar <laughs> just thrashing against the walls like waves. Can't imagine why you felt crook. No, it was brutal. <laughs> um, but, like, it's... It, for the last four or five weeks, I've just been, like, lonely. Yeah. I'm so lonely. <laughs> like, it's just... It's so long. I'm yep. selling it. Yeah, I don't care about those logistical nightmares. I don't care about anyone else. Yeah, look, I'm yeah. be selfish. I just feel, it just feels like a it is a long break. But then making that heat argument makes sense to me. So. I don't care. I, I know I made an argument, but I'm you made I'm, a good argument that then you I've sold it. You've counter argued. Yeah, like, I'm being selfish. <laughs> like I want this break to end, and thankfully it ends this week. So yeah, I'm I'm back. There's a, I, I say this to everyone. There is a very very different. Uh, Chris, that you get as opposed to a race week and not a non-race okay. week. I am up and or about okay. race week. Who is fizzing? So I am fizzing like a f- 
Something okay. that fizzes. Like a Fanta. <laughs> a raspberry Fanta. Oh, yes. Actually, uh, I don't want a grape Fanta. Okay. Try a grape Fanta. Interesting. Are you, an, are you an adult? Oh, please. <laughs> C- Cottage, Cottage Ice Magic <laughs> is asking if I'm an adult. Give me a spell. Oh, God. The behave. <laughs> My last cell is something that it shook me to the core... Oh, no. It disgusted me in ways that I didn't think I could be disgusted. And it like it put me off my chewy. It made me physically ill oh, how bad it was. No. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the vision. Um, and if you haven't, just, just search um, hot dog straw. Oh, my God. I saw this. This is putrid. So there's a bloke at the baseball. Oh. He has he, uh, He's a Yankee fan. It was a Yankee game. had a Yankee Standard. hat on. Um, and he had a, so he had the, um, the Frankfurter, um, the hot dog raw, he raw dog in it. And then he put a straw through the middle of it. And, but so hollowed, hollowed out the hot dog, the Frankfurt. But, and as he was, as he was hollowing it out, he was like sort of sucking through the straw like that. I was was just like, I was watching that guy. What's he doing? What the, what the fuck is this guy doing? And so he's hollowed it out, and then he's put the hot dog frankfurter in his uh, cup of beer, and then drank the beer oh. through the hollowed out hot dog to to drink it. So he's he's used the hot dog as a straw primarily. There's there's so much, oh, so much wrong with it. It's fundamentally, just like it's actually, well, I don't, I can't even. There's not even words to describe how bad it made yeah. me feel. Two things. Two things, sorry to interrupt. No, please two, interrupt. Two, two things. So I saw this on Twitter and like it's been shared so much yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, because it's not natural. And everyone had got everyone was like, oh, this guy's in 2057 while we're all in 2022. No, 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 no. Does that not, do you not see footage like that and go like, he's American? Like, let's, oh, let's, yeah. let's, say, let's say you don't know what sport, <laughs> you know he's American. Yeah. Like... The fact that people think that that's a good thing to do and do no, it, no. or the fact that people think he's a genius for that, no, he's not shows a genius. how fundamentally dumb America is as a country. It was, uh, look, it, look, as I said... And that's just disgusting. Yeah, it's um, viewer discretion don't, uh, don't advised. Watch it. No, don't watch it. But if you want to watch it just to see what I'm talking about, type in um, hot dog straw and prepare to like vomit all over your phone. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, absolutely foul. Speaking of foul, Mm. my last sell, we mentioned collabs before. Oh, and you got another collab, yes. But this is a sell, okay. This is a a heavy, heavy sell. Yes. It's Katy Perry and Menulog. Oh, I don't think of, I I reckon I might have seen this ad, but with the volume down. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually said, I haven't, like, Fully committed oh, and watch this ad. Hits this ad. This commercial is stuck in my head worse than that the Quokka song. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. my god. This is so bad. Like Katy Perry had some questionable work in her career. A very talented singer. Very talented. Very talented. Jesus. H Christ. Mm. This is a absolute train wreck. Kamikaze pilot blowing up the train type of a <laughs> oh, wow. collaboration. So I hate Manulog with a passion. And I hate. Ah, uh, see, so, well, this is the problem, right? This is the problem. You, you can, you can tie, you know, 
brands tie themselves to celebrities and leverage off this celebrity to you know get impressions and and sell. But yeah, I hate what you're about to tell me because I know what you're going to say is like it's beneficial when it shouldn't. No, be. no, no, no. But if that it's negative, if it's negative, then your brand gets is, roasted is and toasted. Because yeah, if you're suddenly oh, you just said it. So I fucking hate menu log. I'm not going to use menu log because stuff. You know, fuck you for putting that ad in my in Ugh. my kitchen. So it, it can be no. Yeah, what I'm saying is if if you get it wrong, it mm. hurts. It hurts a business. It they've got it wrong. Yeah, and clearly. I have not seen anything to back. Positive, that up. Have you no, seen any no, positive feedback? I've, I've nothing to back this statement up. Allegedly, they've got it wrong. Mm. No, I allegedly. think that's. I think that's. Well, I mean, the fact that you brought it up um, tells me that they've they've probably got it wrong. Yeah, it's just rings in my head, and it's it's very it's a very bright and bouncy commercial, and it makes oh, so me, it's positive, yeah, and it makes me just yeah, it's positive. <laughs> it makes me want to just crawl back into a hole again. Yeah. It makes me, you know, it makes me wish. It makes me wish for COVID lockdowns again. Oh, that's Jesus. how bad it is. Wow. Okay. So, congrats to those two. Well done. Just an absolute just just crime scene of an ad. Did somebody say? Menu luck. <laughs> Good way to finish that. I know we teased this episode. Mm. You know, you went early. Typically, yep. you shopped early with a prediction saying that this was going to be a big episode. Yep. I, uh, I I put them on the line. I put them on the chopping block, if you would say. And the uh, yeah, and I and I just um, at that stage it was a hope and a dream. And how did it end up? The dream became reality. Yeah, I like it. Not quite the dream where I get my hair back, but... No, that's fantasy. That is... <laughs> okay, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> In all seriousness, we had we have had a huge day. Massive, like the, yeah. The stars aligned. Yeah. I've already... I've already quite given, literally. Quite, quite literally. The stars yeah. didn't quite literally align. I've given you stick taps. That's all you're going to get from me. I'm not giving you any else. That's all, that's, all I, that's all I need. Any more praise, but we did have four... Industry giants, four of the you know biggest names in the industry that you could sort of get to come on preview uh, the finals, the first week of finals. Because yep. let's be honest, if we were going to sit here and talk about it, what well, people would people would turn off. No, look, that that's a that that's some nice vegetables, but I want some <laughs> meat, and we've bought the meat. Or as I'd say in the Simpsons, it's just a fine barn, but no pool English. <laughs> <laughs> so. We had to go. We had to speak to the experts. That's what we've done. Um, let's go. We'll go to the first game. Yep. Brisbane Richmond at the Gabba Thursday seven twenty our time. We got AFL dot coms Riley Beveridge, a member of the Green Wedge. Yep. One of the Diamond Valley's finest uh, yep. to come on to preview this game. So we will throw it to him now. All right, we are joined by senior reporter at AFL.com and the Everyday Basics 2021 NBA Fantasy Champion, Riley Beveridge. Riley, welcome to the refill. Do you know what, Tim? I reckon that's still like my greatest honour in life. I've, I've played fantasy sports since I was about 11 years old <laughs> and winning that competition is the first time I've ever won. And like, I've got when I actually won that competition, I screenshotted the team and like, and I just occasionally go back and just look at it and think, yeah, these are my boys. These, these are the ones for me. 
Well, yeah, for all those out there, we uh, we are in an NBA fantasy comp, and Riley did beat me in the grand final in 2021. Um, I, didn't, I didn't deserve to be there. I came from eighth. Uh, it, was, it was a fairy tale journey, but um, a bit like Collingwood. Uh, I think we're going to get a rude awakening in the finals. But anyway. <laughs> It, it's coming up on the 10th year anniversary almost of my last uh, NFL fantasy football championship, which is very close to my heart. I, I didn't, I didn't finish year 12 at school, so I didn't get the, the 10 year anniversary invite, but <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about having some kind of a nuffy 10 year anniversary and just inviting all the players. Like I'll just <laughs> DM them on Instagram or Twitter. Just say who, say who hits me up. Maybe Jamal Charles, Peyton Manning, maybe if he wants to come, come and get uh, barbecue at my house. Um, yeah, we love fantasy sports here. This is what I live for. Well, we're no, no good at playing it, so may as well do the fantasy side of it. Now, um, we are going to talk about the second elimination final, Brisbane Lions versus Richmond, Thursday night, 7.20pm at the Gabba. Um, the last time these two teams met was in round 20, and Richmond... 15, 14, 104 defeated Brisbane, 14, 13, 97 by seven points. Brisbane led by six goals at halftime and it looked like Richmond's season was, season was cooked, but um, a stunning turnaround for the Tigers um, won them the game. And since then they've looked pretty bloody good. So looking ahead at this game, um, Riley, what do you reckon? Of, what, what's the first initial reaction to this game and, uh, and the matchup between these two sides? I reckon, I don't know. I, I, I've always said this. I think Brisbane's under more pressure than any team in the comp going into this this finals campaign. I mean, they're, they're one and five in finals under Chris Fagan. Yeah. Uh, and that's considering the fact that 2020, they played all of their games for the entire year at the Gabba. They went out in straight sets. Um They've so, so five of those six games that I mentioned have been at the Gabba, so they've, they've had all their own way going into finals and they, they haven't been able to do it. They've won one qualifying final. If they if they lose to Richmond this weekend, they're uh, they're out and at the first possible opportunity in three or four years. I just think that they have to win given their list, the way it's been built, the opportunities they've had. They simply have to progress deep into this finals campaign. The fact they couldn't beat Melbourne in round 23, I think, was a, a massive concern for them in the sense that they don't get that double chance now. So it's all or nothing on Thursday night. And, and in a weird way, I think Richmond's almost the team they'd want to come up against least. They lost to them just a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned, Budge. They, um, they're they a side that's got such an incredible finals record over the last couple of years. They've won those three premierships in this era. They've got players that are capable of, of winning games in September. They'll have, hopefully they should have Dustin Martin back. Um, Tom Lynch has been in such great form over the last couple of weeks. They've found players here or there. So I just think it's this perfect storm in a sense for Brisbane that if they lose this game, they can just think, oh, well, not again. And they have to really seriously contemplate what comes next for this football club. And, and Richmond can almost take it as a, a free hit in a sense. No one's really expecting them to, to go deep in the finals externally. I think internally they'd have those expectations on themselves. But yeah, I think I think Brisbane's under some serious pressure. And and, and that was the first thing that stood out for me, just that if Carlton had a beaten Collingwood, they would have been playing Carlton. And you would have thought to yourself, yourself, if you if you're Brisbane, you think, right, this is a real opportunity for us to go on and, and win a side that win against a side that hasn't been there for such a long period of time. But but Richmond have tried and tested. They've got the medal. They've done it before. They know what it's like to win these type of games. So they're probably 
it's a culmination of things. It's probably their, their worst nightmare in a sense. With every finals game, there's so many different storylines that sort of come into it. What's the biggest storyline going into the game for you? I think it'd be the, the pressure that Chris Bacon's under. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go out and sack the coach if they lose this elimination final because he's got such a great home and away record with them and he's got the the potential and the ability to be a premiership winning coach. But the fact of the matter is if they lose, they're one and six in finals under him. And, and six of those seven games would have been at the Gabba. I think... It's a weird one because I think you look at you look at different sports around the competition and coaches are decided upon, their futures are decided upon based on what the ambition of that club or franchise is at the time. I look at a side like like the Milwaukee Bucks, for example, who had Jason Kidd as their coach for such a long period of time, consistently got them to playoffs. But they just said, right, he's not he's not a championship caliber coach. We'll go and get a Mike Budenholzer, who we think can actually go and do that. It's the same. There's a great example in, in English football of Watford, who worked their way up through the lower leagues to get to the Premier League. They had a, a manager that won the championship for them. And then they almost instantly sacked him as soon as they got to the Premier League because they said, well, right, now we need a Premier League caliber coach for us to be able to go and take this next step once we get there. There's no loyalty in those sports. And I don't think that culture is necessarily overly healthy. I don't think it should come into the AFL to a certain extent, but I think Brisbane will look at it and think, right, how do we go about winning a premiership and is this the right man to be our premiership coach, if you know what I mean? And I don't think they will come to that conclusion if they do lose, because I think internally there's still a lot of trust in what Chris Fagan can do. But I think there'll be there'll be question marks certainly put on his tenure as to whether or not it's been a success if they don't go further than than the one preliminary final over the last three or four years. Yeah, I reckon you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. I, I think he, in my mind, when he took over Brisbane, they were, you know, bottom bottom team, young group. Seems to me like he's a ripper development coach, a coach that's going to, you know, take a young side, get them into good habits and then take them up the ladder. But to have that, as you say, that killer instinct or that next level, whether it be strategically or whatever it is, don't know if he's got it. And... When do, you, when do you cut your losses? If I lose this one to Richmond next year, we, we walk into another final series and the pressure's all on them again. They lose that again. Like, at, at what point do you actually cut your losses with him? So it'd be, it's a, it's a hard one. Yeah, and, and that's to a certain extent why I don't think they're going to make a change because of the fact that GWS, North Melbourne, Essendon have just either gone through this coaching search or are going through it. you if you do make a change, you're almost fourth in line to get the next best person. And I think there'd be clubs out there that would kill for Chris Fagan at their state, at their club at the moment, and given the state of some clubs at the current time. So, I mean, I think Chris Fagan's probably still the best man for that job. But at a certain point, they need to take the next step. And Brisbane, in terms of their list, are in a really weird position as well. Whereas they've got they've got such great talent at the moment, they've got really good depth as well. But also they're, they're going to have a period where they're going to be able to sustain that as well. They'll get Will Ashcroft through the club at the end of this year, who's going to be the best player in the draft. It's like, I mean, Collingwood have done what they've done this year, but it's like if Collingwood were a top four side last year and then got Nick Dacos through the door. Like that's the impact that Will Ashcroft's going to have at that club next year. They've also got Jasper Fletcher, another, another father-son pick, who's going to be a top 20 talent as well. So they're going to get two top 20 picks in through the door this season pretty fortuitously given the fact they're both father sons and you can't really predict how well that's going to come out but i mean 
they, I mean, they're going to have good players come through the door. So you'd probably want a, a development coach like Chris Fagan being in charge of those players for the next couple of years. But at some stage, he does need to take that next step. Comparing so sort of the way we look at AFL coaches compared to other sports is like really bizarre because you don't you do see that ruthless you know this guy's not going to be the person to deliver it for us. See you later. Thanks for everything. Whereas I feel like there was a real shift in the AFL where I'm not going to blame Damien Hardwick, but Damien Hardwick obviously before Richmond really the Richmond dynasty really took off took over was probably on the hot seat. A lot of people were saying. This is not the right guy. He's been given X amount of chances. And now teams are sort of saying, you know, hang on, if maybe if we stay with this guy for a little bit longer, we're going to get the, we're going to get the results. And you're sort of seeing coaches who are not Damien Hardwick type coaches getting that extra sort of uh, leg room. Yeah. I mean, and, Nathan Buckley was almost in a similar boat as well before 2018 when they made the grand final. Like they were going to make a call on his future and they stuck with him and then he made a grand final. I mean, Damien Hardwick this was the same. Like there's a there's a sliding doors moment where Damien Hardwick gets sacked at the end of 2016 and Richmond doesn't have three more flags to their name right now. So I think there's a little bit of trepidation in making that call. I think there's probably a lot more, more trust. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, if anything, it's actually a good thing that there's more trust in the people that you've got in charge to be the best people to lead your club forward. And and I think Damien Hardwick's played a key role in that. And I think long may it continue. I mean, I know I reference other sports and, and it worked out for the Bucks, but there's countless examples where it hasn't worked out for clubs. I mean, Watford, as I mentioned, is the, is the Premier League example, made that change and then got relegated straight back down to the championship. So it clearly didn't work for them. So there's there's examples in, in every sport of it going well and not going well. I kind of like the fact that in our football culture, we've got that trust most of the time, I will say that most of the time with the coaches and with the people that lead, lead the clubs at the moment. Biggest selection talking point, I, I assume from, it'd have to be Dusty, whether Dusty plays. Yeah. Uh, and if he does, where does he play? Yeah, Dusty, Tom Lynch as well is a bit of a worry. I mean, coming up with groin soreness, I know they've come out and said that, that he'll definitely play, but whether or not that was just precaution or whether or not there was something there, he sat out the final quarter of that game against Essendon in round 23. I mean, that, that'd have to be a concern for him, particularly because of how well he's played over the last fortnight and how well he played in that game against Brisbane, yeah. uh, where he kicked four goals. So yeah. they're two key players for them. But the thing I always think of with Richmond, which is why I wouldn't rule them out, is they just need four good games from Dusty. And like, he, he has that ability to string together four good games and all of a sudden they're a premiership team again. I mean he can turn matches on their head. And he, he did that in the 2020 grand final. Like he was so incredible that game at the Gabba against Geelong where for so much of that game, particularly in the first half, it looked like the Cats were going to win the flag. And then Dusty just says, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to change the momentum in the course of this game. And he did it. And um, yeah, I, I think if, if he's on the park, you can never really rule them out. True. The Gabba specialist. Yeah, and he's playing there again, isn't he? Like, that's the thing. Like, I wonder if he, he invokes some of those memories from 2020. And just, this is my turf. I'm, I do my best work here. Exactly. Put yourself in a coach's spot right now. Is Richmond not the team you'd least like to face? Uh, I mean, Melbourne, obviously, the way they completely belted Brisbane, maybe the other one. But the way Richmond have played the last couple of weeks, given the fact that you said they are battle-tested, they've been there, done that, they've got all of the same guys... I wouldn't. I, I can't think of a team I would rather not face than than Richmond this week. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was actually having to think about this earlier in the week. I mean, the way 
the elimination finals have played out in particular. The two sides who would really regret not finishing in the top four are Brisbane and Fremantle, given what they've done across the course of the home and away season. Now, Brisbane comes up against a Richmond side that's won three flags, knows what it's like to get through September, has the star quality in, in Dustin Martin, Shay Bolton, Tom Lynch. Even Trent Coshin's played really good footy over the last month. And then Fremantle's got a Western Bulldogs side who won from outside the top four in 2016, made the grand final from outside the top four last year, and just consistently just it's something about Luke Beveridge where he's able to inspire these players in September. And so those two sides would be the ones that think, ah, you know what, we really should have made top four. And now they're coming up against probably the two sides you'd least like to face as well in September. So it's just interesting how it's played out. It's interesting. I mean, watching round 23 play out was incredible in itself, but the matchups that we've got because of it adds a, another layer of intrigue to it. But yeah, you make a good point, Chris, in the sense that I think, Richmond is a side that just has these players, these A-graders. I mean, they've, they've done it before where they've, they've almost proved that blueprint where you, you only really need four or five A-graders and you can make up the rest with role players. And if they fill their roles over the course of a month, they can win a flag. I mean, it was Jacob Townsend in 2017, for example, who came into that side late. Um, who's to say Noah Cumberland can't play that role this year, given what he's done over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. I reckon we've, we've sort of covered most at stake. It feels like feels like Fagan, unless there's anyone else you think might be um, under the pump, depending on results. Like maybe is it like, a, does a Cochin retire or do we look? Yeah, there's a bit of that. Like there's this Trent Cochin, Jack Rewalt is also out of contract at the end of the year. They need to make decisions on their futures. We've already seen Shane Edwards. It'll be his last season at the club. Um, so yeah, they've, they've got a lot at stake as well. I think, I thought Trent Cochin was done six weeks ago, but his last month of footy has been, really good and yeah. i wonder if that makes him think twice if he was harboring reservations as to whether or not he'd play on again into 2023 whether or not that would make him think twice if they go and uh and sort of make a deep challenge but don't quite get there does he think maybe we can go do this next year and let's not forget i know it's been on the back burner because we've had isaac rankin we've had carl layman we've had all these types lance franklin's future was up in the air a couple of weeks ago the I don't think the, the questions about where Dustin Martin plays his football next year go away heading into the trade period. I mean, yeah. I know he's contracted. I know Richmond seemed pretty confident internally that he's going to stay now, but it just wouldn't shock me if we got a little surprise there. So if Dustin Martin leaves that football club, their fortunes and their outlook next year change as well, I think. Play from either side, Riley, that's got to be a massive key in terms of them winning the game. Who's the igniter? Richmond, I think it's Shay Bolton. I reckon his entire year has been shaping up to be the final specialist. Um, I think he's got that explosive forward half ability to tear a game open, similar to what Dustin Martin had in 2017, uh, 2019, 2020. I think he's got that ability to just be so unstoppable on his day that clubs will find it really hard to match up on. I don't think there's a natural matchup for him. I think if anyone for Brisbane, it might have been Noah Ainsworth, who's obviously copped that suspension and won't play. So that's a another blow for them. Brisbane, it's a hard one. I've got my doubts on their key forwards in Eric Hipwood and Dan McStay and Joe Danaher. I mean, on their day, they're all great players, but they're so up and down. Yeah, that- is it like last time last time they played, Hipwood kicked. He had seven shots on goal, kicked four goals. Yeah. Danaher kicked three goals. Is there some? Uh, are they hard matchups for this Tigers defense? Maybe. 
Yeah, they are. They've been undersized all year. I mean, they've, they've brought Robbie Tarrant in for moments like these. Josh Gibkiss is a first-year player. Um, but but it's... I, I do think that on their day, they have the ability to be match winners. But on other days, they have the ability to go missing. And they've done that at times throughout the year. There's been questions on who and why clubs are going to pay money for Dan McStay as a free agent at the end of the year. There's been reservations over Joe Danaher's form at different stages of the year. Eric Hipwood's coming back from a long-term injury and you can understand why he's been up and down throughout the season. So, yeah, they've got the ability to be match winners, but they need to be for this Brisbane side if they're going to win the game. Yeah. Is there a player in the AFL right now who's more damaging with less disposals than Shy Bolton? Oh, it's a great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not actually... I would have said I would have said I know he's not playing in finals, but I would have said maybe Connor Rosie. But I love that. But I think I think what Shay Bolton does, which is so hard to stop, is he can jump, but he can win the ball on the ground level. And if he doesn't mark it, he lands like a cat and can dodge and weave straight afterwards. He can snap around his body. He's the he's the player in the competition at the moment that has the ability to kick goal of the year and take mark of the year in the same week. I think there's not many players that have that ability. He just needs to kick straight. I mean, he kicked two five the last time I played the Tigers. He's done that countless times throughout the year. I think he's had 80 shots of goal and kicked 40-40 throughout the season. So he might have seven shots of goal and kick 5-2. He might kick 2-5. You never really know with him. So, I mean, I think he's an incredibly damaging player. He's one of my favourite players in the competition to watch right now. And, and he's the one that I hope has a big September for for both his sake and for Richmond's sake, because I think I think he has the, the potential to be a top 10 player in the competition, but he needs a finals campaign to prove that. All right, let's put our, uh, let's put our money where our mouth is. Who is going to win uh, this game, this elimination final? I'm tipping Richmond. I, I think there's that so much of a build-up of pressure and expectation on Brisbane. Um, there was such a letdown against Melbourne a fortnight ago. Um, I think Richmond are primed for this moment. I think they've been earmarking this game for a long time. Whoever they play, that hopefully they get dusty back and hopefully they're, they're playing their best footy at that time. And I don't, I don't think they'll win the premiership, but I think they have the ability to, to, to cause a few surprises in September. Yeah, I agree. I think Richmond are going to pants them. What about you, Chris? No, I, I was going to say uh, it's Richmond for me. Like I, I can't, I can't have, you can't look away from the form. Like it, they're just so damaging in the fact that battle tested Brisbane had so many question marks going into this. I sacked Chris Fagan before the year even started. Um, yeah. David King yeah, laughed okay. in my face, uh, but that's okay. And here we are. Chris Fagan's job's potentially on the line and maybe I'm going to be right after all. So uh, I'm going for Richmond and that really hurts me to say that, but, uh, yeah, Brisbane have just done nothing for me for a real long time. So go Tiggs. Um, yeah, and uh, they'll be having a new captain next year and maybe a new coach. Uh, the bottom might just fall completely out of them. Prolapse, as I like to say. <laughs> Thanks, Riley. Thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. And um, enjoy the rest of your September. No, no stress. Thank you, guys. It's always nice to speak to some of the Diamond Valley's finest. Absolutely. He's a great man, Riley. And uh, as mentioned, he's, he's part of my uh, NBA fantasy uh, in basketball league. And uh, he won it. He 
beat me in the grand final. I don't hold a grudge. Mm. Um, should you? Nor should I, but no, it's great to have him on. And, um, yeah, look, I think that's going to be... It's always good to see people make it from the neighbourhood. Exactly, exactly. It was something to aspire to for both yeah, of us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At our mid-age and... A.K.A. peak. <laughs> and we're peaking at something, all right. But, yeah, no, thank you again to Riley. That was a great little breakdown. Um, there's no point, you know, fluffing around. We'll throw it... Hook into the next let's one. Let's throw it straight into the next game. Uh, Melbourne Swans. This was a great chat. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's, I, a, he's a very good man. I loved the Iceman. Uh, ben Dixon, former Hawthorne. Uh, Sharpshooter, assassin. And, and decoy forward. And... Uh, self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed decoy forward. Yeah. Uh, we had him on to discuss this uh, Melbourne Swans game, so we'll throw it to him now. Our next guest played 203 games for the Hawks, kicking 283 goals, but none more famous than the one he kicked after the siren to win the game in round 17, 2001, against Carlton that I witnessed... <laughs> <laughs> First hand from the Carlton coach's box. It's the Iceman, Fox Footy's own Ben Dixon. G'day, Dicko. Mate, the Iceman, that takes me back, doesn't it? My first two years at Hawthorne, all I did was fill the esky for the big stars. <laughs> the Iceman, haven't heard that for... Thanks, Budge. I appreciate the intro, Matt. Haven't heard that for 25 yeah. years. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll never forget that day. I remember as soon as you took the mark, um, Britain stormed out of the box. He was gone. He didn't want to watch yeah. it. And then Kernahan yeah. had the hands on the hips, leaning on his seat. And as soon as I went through, kicked the absolute shit out of the chair, like just slammed it into the wall. It was, uh, yeah. it's like, oh, going to be a long week. Mate, it, uh, I haven't paid for a drink in Melbourne since. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's paid its way. Either of I, uh, but it's got nothing to do with me kicking a goal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny part is, my brother, we battled each other growing up for years and years and years. And he said, well, you know, he said to mum and dad, why didn't you send me to Assumption? I would have got drafted. Dad goes, I wasn't wasting 30 grand on you, mate. <laughs> he goes, mate, one, you didn't have any ability. You had no sacrifice. You need talent to play footy. And um, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so, so we played local level at Yarrawonga. And the week I kicked that goal after the siren, um, he played in a prelim for Yarrawonga, exact same spot after the siren. Kidding. And what do you reckon happened? He missed. He choked like you wouldn't believe and kicked it into the man on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> and your dad's said, like, yeah, justified. So the Yarrawonga Chronicle was Dixon choked. And uh, <laughs> well, it certainly how, wasn't how's the one he doing the now? Big how's he doing now? Did he recover from that? Um, he, he got out, out of the straight jacket love. 10 years later. I reckon it was 10 years later he got out of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's recovered well. Yeah, really well. Hasn't touched the footy since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, the uh, game we're going to talk about with you, Dicko, is the second qualifying final, Melbourne versus Sydney Swans, Friday, 7.50pm at the MCG. Uh, last time they played was round 12. Sydney 10-13-73 defeated Melbourne 9-7-61 by 12 points. It was uh, the second loss in a row that Melbourne had, and Sydney were um, pretty bloody good that night. What what are you looking forward to the most out of this game, Dicko? Well, I'm looking forward to, for the first time in a long time, 
Melbourne coming up against a decent backline. Yes. Uh, so, um, McCartan, is there an echo in here? There's another one down there too. So, two of those. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then you, then you ramp it up with Rampy, and you you got the triangle, uh, the Bermuda Triangle, as they say. So people have just disappeared in the middle of those guys this year, and um, <laughs> haven't found them since. But I'm just, you know, they, they very rarely get challenged by the way they move the ball, Melbourne, in terms of their forward structure. They do get a lot of license, and and no disrespect to Ben Brown, but when when Ben Brown's uh, leading out and just marking it without any pressure. Uh, pretty much tells you exactly how their ball movement's going, but Sydney won't allow that by any stretch. And their back line is, you know, they're going to hold up enormously. So yeah. it's going to be hard for them to score, to be honest. And and that sounds silly to say that against Melbourne, who, you know, they've got plenty in the uh, in the holster. But on the flip side of that, they've just got so many young kids and young unknowns. And, and going into a first final, I remember when I played one of my first, you got no fear. You've literally got no fear. And then Melbourne come into this, not with a lot of pressure, but, you know, they're the hunted. So, you know, it's a good position for Sydney to be in. So the first challenge for me, or the first challenge for Melbourne is, you know, kicking a winning score against that back line, which is bloody hard to do. Yeah. Mm. Is there a one of those Sydney players that, you know, these row bottoms, the Florence, the Clarks, the Foxes, that are just sort of those real unknown, for, I guess, for us in Victoria that are would sort of stand out to you as a potential X factor? Oh, you mentioned Florence. Like, he's one that just goes under the radar. Mm. Just, just Buddy Franklin said to me once, he said, if there's ever a guy I want to lead to, it's Florence because he'll lace you out. And then you get a Nick Blakey who uses the ball as good as anyone. He's almost got, you know, 80% of suckling, Matty suckling, the way he uses the ball. You yeah, kick yeah, it this yeah. way, that way, any which way, and hit a target. Um, but then you got Warner and, and those sort of guys. That's the X factor for Sydney. Yeah. That's what makes them dangerous is, okay, if we get hold of that, then we've got the old, elder statesman in, you know, Parker, and then we go, oh, shit. Then we've got to deal with Papley. Hang on. Then Heaney's up and about. All of a sudden, you got some threats, and then Melbourne's backline on the on on the flip side of that is they love to be structured up. They like to see the ball. They like to see the play. Sydney don't allow you to do that. Mm. You watch Sydney play; they always turn their backman. They always turn their backman and go that way, so they yeah. can't see the ball. And uh, when you can't see the ball, very hard to get the ball. So you know. Um, I did 10 years of that as a decoy forward, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Getting out of the way for Jason Dunster and Lance Franklin so they can win Coleman medals. Mm. Would yeah. you would you rather win a, a Coleman or a best clubman? Like, let's be honest, everyone wants a clubman. Nah, I want the encouragement award. because it's, <laughs> like, it's that award that everyone goes, oh, thank God I didn't win that one. I was putting my hand up for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got a whole heap of certificates, the little McDonald's $5 encouragement awards. Do you remember those? Yeah. <laughs> we got those at Assumption. They were two bucks. We could have bought one. Yeah. I was so shit, I couldn't even get those. <laughs> you had to photocopy them. <laughs> I had to pay full price for my McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Big Mac inflation. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, are, there any, um, are there any matchups, any one-on-one battles that you're looking forward to in this game? Um, middle of the ground. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Parker. I think it's a Parker Petrarca. <laughs> yeah, right. Say so that ten times quick. Parker <laughs> Petrarca. Um, one that through the middle of the ground is the interesting one for me because 
Clayton Oliver, you know, he's going to get one of these young guns come up against him as well. But um, oh, I'm still got that X factor about Buddy. I don't know what yeah. it is. Anyone yeah. that goes to their first final um, in 07, kick seven, and then I asked him after the game, I said, mate, that was incredible. He goes, yeah, I just wanted one more. He had no <laughs> idea the state of the game. Like anyone that can go into a game of footy just going, yep, I'm just going to kick a bag here is, you know. Yeah, that was It's going to be great to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> and since he's turned off the the contract talks, it's been he's been down to business. He's starting yeah. to get a little bit serious, old big budwire. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, he's uh, bloody hell. He's he's as close to a flag as he's been in a long time, really. And and the other one, the other one I reckon um, is the wings, because Mel Melbourne play a lot of width. So, you know, when you look at um, their players that play nice and wide, Hawthorne, which jumped to mind, um, Finn McGuinness did a really good job in negating that side of it. So, you know, their wings are pivotal. Like we can talk about either end, but you know the guys that the Langdons of the world that play on the wings and they're they're, they're the big generators and they help Melbourne structure up really well with their ball movement and keep, yep. and keep their width. So Sydney, you know, from an IQ perspective, footy IQ, they're, they're as good as any team. So they'll be going to school this week. Yeah. If uh, let's say you're the coach for Sydney. Who are you putting on? Um, Bailey Fritch, Ben Brown. Who who are you, you mentioned the McCartan duo and the yep. um, Dane Rampy. Who who are you going to line up on? Who? I'd uh, well, Fritch will sort of sort of play predominantly deep. So I just give Rampy any day of the week the Fritch because if you can't mark it, um, doesn't really um, butter up as good as most forwards. So. Dane Rampey just thrives as soon as he brings it to the ground. It's just his ball and um, get out of his sandpit. Um, then I reckon like the likes of Tom McCartan would take like a Ben Brown. And then, and then Paddy, Paddy for your intercept work will take the third, you know, whoever that may be. Um, we know Max Gorn will spend plenty of time there. Paddy McCartan's as strong as anyone, one-on-one, strong. So, you know, he, he'll take that floater that comes in and out, but they'll use him for an intercept, intercept role because he's done it so well this year. Yeah. Is there any uh, any selection curveballs you can see, or do you reckon it's going to be a pretty settled lineup for both teams? I think it'll be pretty straight up and down. I can't see um, John Ironmonger getting back into the ruck, but um... <laughs> be nice though. <laughs> what about Chrissy Sigurd? Who the hell's John John Ironmonger? Back in the eighties, <laughs> one of the great ruckmen for Sydney. I remember um, he, um, he nearly uh, he nearly killed Graham Wright once when he was at I think he was at Fitzroy at the time. He put Wrighty over his head and just dropped him from a yeah. uh, I would say about six foot nine height. Yeah, yeah. He picked him up and um, was like George the Animal Steel, Andre the Giant. Just picked <laughs> him up and put him over the turnbuckle. Um, but I, I sort of see it just pretty much straight up and down. I don't think any curveballs. They're both reasonably healthy, so. I don't really see any, any any big changes in that one. Yeah, yeah. My my ruck knowledge pretty much ends at Fabian and Adrian Deluca, two of the <laughs> probably two of the biggest the biggest morals to to make a career that just didn't didn't pan out. I'm still shattered about um, Fabian as a Port Adelaide supporter. I thought he was the next thing, next big thing. Oh mate, take me back to ruckman. Remember Brett O'Farrell? He was at Sydney then. Yeah, Brett O'Farrell, big boffer. Um, we can just talk were, about we can just talk about um, old Ruckman really. Oh, these days were numbered at Hawthorne. We did a time trial 
1,500 metre time trial and the mascot beat him. And, uh, <laughs> and Ken Judge said, mate, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the mascot's beaten you in a 15K, uh, 1,500 <laughs> metre time trial. I think your days are numbered here at Hawthorne, mate. <laughs> I know you mentioned before you're a decoy, you're a decoy forward, but you've, you've been a little harsh on yourself, I think. You know, you're a very talented forward. If, let's say there's a forward who's going to call you up, whether it's a young forward, mature age, and says, hey, mate, I want to do some work with you in the off-season. Which forward do you want that to be? Is there a forward that you would really like to get your uh, get your hands on and get stuck into some work with? Um, this is going to sound really left field, but Darcy Fogarty. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've been, I've been at Rue for years. Just just give me, give me, give me three months with him. Yeah, yeah right. I just think he, he's his talent. There, there's so much to go. This there's such a high ceiling. You know, he, he's like Bam Bam. He doesn't know his strength. Yeah, like, yeah. So what is hold, what is holding him back? I think I think his work rate for one. So like Darren Burgess is doing a terrific job, but you know, really cranking into his power. But his ability to to move more lateral, like he's he, he very straight up and downs, but his ability to move lateral and he, he could get another four or five marks a game by just his by just his running patterns, like as a forward. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that, you know, if he started to use those angles and, and you know, started to run the decent patterns and then your body work becomes more of an advantage to you than just getting in wrestling matches. Because mm. if you see him, he gets in a lot of wrestling matches. He doesn't need to do that. If he's smart the way he can get behind a defender, he used 20% of his strength and still marked the ball. So if you talk about a big key forward that can take an extra four or five marks a game, mm. that's going to be an extra three goals a game. All of a sudden, you're getting five goals a game. Um, hang on, that's a bloody good return. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an, an 80, 80 goal a year forward. That's where I reckon he can get to. Yeah. Do you think that tendency to just sort of get into that bull type of wrestling match is just the fact that his sheer size and the fact that he's probably playing against blokes who are nowhere near that sort of size and he can just he can just go, I can just literally out-bull you and have an absolute day. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting you say that because good, good smart forwards, and this is what I stayed on and coached for a number of years after, good smart forwards, you're not, you're not necessarily playing to your craft, which is what Darcy does. He, he sort of goes, my, my craft is strength. I've got, to, I've got to wrestle. Whereas what your craft as a forward is, is recognising who you're up against. So for argument's sake with me, if I've got someone small, I'd take them deep mm. and be able to out, outmark them. But then if I've got someone taller, I've got to took them up the ground and outran them. Mm. So he has that ability to stuff with opposition's heads and go, right, oh, we've got a mismatch here because he's going to take this bloke deep or he's going to go, he can't handle lateral patterns or lateral movement. So if he was smart, you know, he would go through all his opposition who he's likely to get and go, what are their greatest strengths? What are their greatest weaknesses? And pull that apart. It's almost like military enemy analysis. His craft will take care of itself when he gets in good positions. But learning that as a forward is a, is, is a four or five greater opportunity per game, which is massive, it's huge, getting your hands on the ball that much. Yeah. If you're not careful, that might be the Adelaide coaching job, uh, re- like audition tape. Like if you're not careful, I'll send that to Mark Rusciuto, and yeah, you might well, just I'm get... gonna have to do it via Zoom because I don't leave the state. 
Speaking of coaching, uh, did you feel sorry for your old mate Vossi, mate, on, um, on yes. the final round? Yes, I was devastated. Devastated. You've been the eight all year, and then oh my god, two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. But but in saying that, not to his defence because he'll be hard on himself. But he's brought that footy club back with an aura now. Like it's got. Mm. It's not. It's not a. We've missed the finals because we're not. Good enough. We've missed the yeah. finals because we defeated ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so a big difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. You know, you talk about um, what they did wrong. That's just a. That's just a level of um, maturity of the group where they haven't been coached for what, probably for ten years. Yeah, now he's yeah. been in the chair one year. Mm. So these scenarios, these take time. Like I yeah. mean, when Clarko first got there. Oh five, we still didn't get it. Six mm, was starting to come together. Talk to oh seven that it clicked for us, and we go shit. We understand scenarios. We understand setups. We understand, you know, like as a forward, you reckon when the ball's down the other end, I'd be watching where the ball's going, wouldn't you? You think I'd be tracking the ball? I'm yeah. not tracking that at all. I'm tracking what the midfielders and the wingers are doing because they're reading the play on where they're going to be, and I've got to get the ball off them. So. <laughs> these are the. This is how Clark I used to make you think about and look at the game. Yeah, and it was like, you know, defenders often go, "Mate, the ball's over here." I go, "Yeah, it's okay. I'm, I'm just worried about what's happening down here because I know exactly where this ball's going." Mm. Mm. So that takes time. Mm. Is it is it true that Alistair Clarkson hated Port Adelaide as much as it's been reported? I need yeah. to know because I'm a Port Adelaide supporter. I just no, want no, to know with a passion. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, when he um. When he used to come up against Port, you could always just see that, you know, it wasn't that he had a bad night's sleep. It was Port Adelaide. Yeah. He'd come <laughs> into train and just, yeah, he was ready to, be fair, to go. I have that same look, but it's because of Port Adelaide. Like, it's not because we're coming up against them. It's because I have to watch them. Oh, well, it's funny because, you know, I'm not a, I don't hate anyone. But when I arrived at Hawthorne, my first game down at Cadenia Park, and Ken judges, you know, we hate these blokes and fucking uh, he's ranting and raving. And so I'm walking down to um, the position and Jason Dunstall's full forward. I'm in the pocket. I'm going, mate, I don't hate anyone. He goes, give it time. And uh, <laughs> and um, uh, Brad Shaw walked down and uh, spat in my face. And, <laughs> uh, and then we had a wrestle. Had a wrestle and we're going one out. Anyway, we sort of push off each other and I turn over to Jason and he goes, What do you think? I said, Well, that escalated quicker. I hope that goes. <laughs> he goes, Yep, told you. <laughs> Before the first bounce. Before the first uh, bounce, I thought, This is on like Donkey Kong now. Yep. Wow. Before we let you go, mate. Um, a tip for this game, Melbourne Sydney. Who do you reckon? I'm going with Sydney. Yeah, I've been Ooh. on Sydney for um a good four months, uh, three months now. Yeah. So I'm um quietly confident they you go think, all the way. To be honest. Yeah, I was going to say you think if they win this, it's home prelim at SCG. Good luck beating them there. Good good luck, and then they get to the big dance. So I just think they're such a smoky, such a smoky, yeah. and they've beaten Melbourne before. Yeah. Exactly. They, yeah. They're a team that can really go to school on yeah. teams. So um, 
often when you you look at teams and you go, yeah, I know how they want to play, but Sydney can actually change the way they play for their opposition, which is pretty pretty handy. I reckon. Do you reckon Longmire is criminally underrated? Oh, hundred percent. Yep. They didn't even bottom out. Remember, I think they lost the first six and still made the finals. Yeah. Was that? I feel that was a few years ago. But they, they've never really bottomed out. Yeah. If you look at it, that's very hard to do. Very yeah. hard to do. Even the great coaches like Clarko, you know, that side had to bottom out. But yeah. John's been able to get them up, keep them going, and and bring bring good talent in. You know, so I oh, enormously underrated. Same as Chris Scott. Chris Scott is he's probably been the best coach that hasn't won a flag for the last forty years. Like the, the, he's had Geelong up for. What is it now? It's almost eleven years straight. Yeah, like yeah. that is insane. You can't do that yeah. unless you're um you're a super coach. And um, yeah, with the type it, of picks they're getting in the draft, you know, you're not getting the, the cream of the crop. No, no, he, he's turned that into a destination down there, and and he's done a sensational job. Yeah, so he, he deserves a lot more credit than he probably, you know, he's not getting. Mm. Yeah. Well, mate, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to this game and the and the rest of the finals. No worries, Budge. Good, good on you, Chris. Hey? Thanks for Thanks, the time, mate. boys. What a funny, funny, very bastard. funny man. And I can't get over the fact that someone spat in his face. Um, yeah, Brad Scholl. Jesus, Lift. selling selling Brad Scholl. Yeah, like he's got uh, yeah. his son plays for Adelaide, doesn't he? Lockie Scholl. Are they related? I don't think they were related. Surely Scholl's not a common. Yeah, last I don't name. know. Don't know. He's a good, actually, a great kick at the footy. The uh, Adelaide Scholl, but uh, yeah. no, like lift lift your game. How Scholl. poor is that? But, well, very poor. Um, oh, what a some great stories. What though. a what a, sto- <laughs> what a storyteller. Yeah, no, very very enjoyable. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, Fox absolutely. His own Ben Dixon. Yep, thank you very much. Next up, we do have Geelong versus your Collingwood oh, Swoopy Boys. Oh, come on. I The Grim Reapers. I love this for a, for the simple reason. It's well known I'm a commentator nuffy. Yep. To speak to the great man, Anthony Hudson. Who watches... And like watches a lot of footy. Like yeah. uh, yes, he's a great commentator, and yes, he's he commentates mm. a lot of footy. But he watches as much footy as anyone. Um, and yeah. yeah. So this is right in your nuffy. Wheelhouse. This was right in my wheelhouse. The fact that he may or may not have either sledged me, sledged the the refill studios. Yep. Uh, without really knowing me from a bar of soap. That's great. That's what he does. That to me, because you know what he does. He's a he's a yeah. Observes. He, he sees and he commentates and he calls it and he calls it for what it is. That's why he's so good at That's it. That's what makes him the best. Yeah. So we'll throw it to him now to get his thoughts for the Collingwood Geelong game, which is not at Skilt Stadium. Our next guest is, in my humble opinion, the undisputed best caller in the business, be it TV or radio. His golden tonsils have called the biggest moments in the history of the game for the past 26 years. Please welcome Fox Footy and SEN Zone, Anthony Hudson. Hello, Hutto. Hello, Budge and Chris. Uh, Yes, I'm quite sure how to respond to that uh, introduction. (laughs) As they say, there's nothing like a good introduction. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's very nice of you. But yeah, is it, being, being, is it 
I had it. I went to Wikipedia, which is horrible to do for mm. research. But did you yeah. start '96? Was that the first time you started calling? I know you were calling uh, probably a bit more low level Bendigo, but when you moved to the big big smoke, yeah. Um, no, it's generally not a great uh, source of, uh, of research. <laughs> it had me coming from Perth for a long time. I don't think it still does. Not sure. Um, <laughs> no, um, I yeah, it's not far off. I first my first final well, the first game i called for 3aw uh was not a 90 not a 94 final uh, okay uh, between right. collingwood and west coast um it was that was the last game of tony shaw i reckon and yeah dropped a mark right yeah and then wish i let him have, have it let him have it yeah so that was my first game for 3aw before then i'd called some games for 6pr and like i said i'd called games in the country yep. and um i was working for channel 10 at the time and that kind of led doing it to, to, to jump ahead, I suppose, where I was lucky is um, things were um, really opened up. The game expanded massively um, through the 90s and suddenly yeah. radio stations went from, you know, just having the same two or three people do it for 15, 20, 25 years once a week to suddenly needing teams on a Saturday and a Sunday and then a Friday night and then maybe two on a Saturday or Two on a Sunday, so that's where I was lucky, lucky enough to sort of be just in the industry, and then, like you say, once you're in, you you obviously got a chance, and and so yeah, yeah needed to um, they needed more people to call games, so yeah, that, that gave me the opportunity because I was working at Channel Ten, and um and and then yeah, was lucky enough to get a full time job uh, reporting and calling footy after that. Yeah, right. So it's close to twenty eight. It's almost the thirty year anniversary is coming yeah. up. We'll, <laughs> yeah, have to, we'll have to plan we'll something big out. for that. Be a big banner, and I'll carry my kids out. They're, they're like, <laughs> 16, 13, and 11. 16, 14, and 11. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, big um, well. No, thank you, mate. Thanks for being on. Now, the final we want to talk about is, of course, the first qualifying final Geelong versus Collingwood, Saturday, 4 35 p.m. start at the MCG. Um, last time they met was way back in round three, where Geelong. 16 8, 104 defeated Collingwood 13 13 91. Uh, I suppose Geelong did a Collingwood to Collingwood, I suppose. Mm. Um, coming from behind in the last quarter, win by 13 points. Um, and personally, I think as a Collingwood supporter, this is the first time, despite the fact we lost, where I thought we might not actually be as shit as I thought. We might actually be <laughs> half good this year. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a cracking game. Um it was. What are your thoughts heading into this final, mate? It's a massive, huge game. Yeah, well, just on that game, it was an amazing game, wasn't it? I, I was yeah. kind of thinking the reverse, um, thinking, oh, gee, we may we may be actually pretty crap. <laughs> Half time, I thought, oh, well, at least we're going to get. Sorry, this is being a biased Geelong supporter. I make that clear. Uh, taking the unprofessional, uh, taking the professional hat off and being unprofessional for a no, moment. That's, that's our you're in, the, you're in the right area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought as much. Um, yeah. just, <laughs> by, just by the money you've spent on the backdrop there, I that <laughs> might be the case. But um, uh, and I'm a big fan because I never miss a show. So yeah, of course, of course. Of course. That's Appreciate our that. that's our next promo right, but, clip. Yeah, I, I, gen- I, I generally thought at the halftime. Well, at least we're gonna gonna be get access to a good early draft pick this year. Because clearly <laughs> if Collingwood are touching us up, we are not very good. Um, but then, of course, they started to move the ball quicker as they promised and things opened up. And it was a it was a fantastic game. It was Joel Selwood's big night from memory. And yeah. um, 
it's a long time ago, isn't it? So I'm not sure what sort of guide it is to um, to, the, to this one. Um, but you know, if it's if it's played in that kind of ilk, then it's going to be a, be a heck of a game. And um, yeah. it's so hard. It's so, I mean, it's so hard to know how any game's going to go this year. But any game involving involving Collingwood and where, where they really stand, as I I said to uh, Johnny at the uh, at the bakery this morning, is a mad <laughs> Collingwood man, Johnny at the House of Bread. And, uh, that'll get me a couple of free donuts yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. He's a big uh, listener of the show. <laughs> big listener, yeah. Uh, what did you say to Johnny? Uh, it was something about Collingwood. Oh, yeah, if, if, if Geelong are 100 points up, then I reckon they'll feel pretty safe at three-quarter time <laughs> because it's just been extraordinary with the Pies, hasn't it? Other than that Sydney game, to, to be able to do what they've done and to try and work out how they're doing it is um, it's not impossible. I know everyone's got to got a theory or you know and uh, um, I suppose by now the only thing in Geelong's favor is that um pretty exposed form as to as to what they do in those circumstances so I suspect the cats will will be pretty well aware of um of what Collingwood might try if, if it does get in that similar scenario but um, this game just sold out super quick and there's huge excitement about it and it's yeah from a Geelong point of view the worry would be that there'll be sort of be traces of that Richmond qualifying final in 2017 when uh, it was notionally a Geelong home game, but it was anything but at the MCG. Geelong got booed as they ran out <laughs> and, um, and we're on the back foot ever uh, for the whole night. Is so, that the same? Was the 2019 qualifying final similar or was it a bit more? A little bit less. I think once you won the flag, I think that, I mean, it was it was similar. It was I think there was preliminary in, in 2019, but um but and that was without Hawkins as he'd been. Oh, no, yeah, uh, the I think it was Collingwood, the Collingwood Geelong qualifying 2019. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, yes. The G, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. The Geelong. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. I don't think as I don't think as fierce as, as yeah as the Richmond one because they've just been waiting for so long. And they're um, a bit more feral as well. So. Yeah, but this year, I mean, it's been such a ride, hasn't it, under Craig McRae that you know they're yep. so engaged Collingwood at the moment. So. Um, the fans. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere and Geelong requesting the twilight game so that their their fans could make it down the highway and get get home in time. It's it cute. So it wouldn't be too late. So hopefully <laughs> that means there'll be quite a few there. Yeah. We, we normally hear a lot of scuttlebutt uh, from Geelong that they want to play home finals and all this sort of stuff. I'm obviously not around the bakery, so I'm not sure what the, what the chat's been around there, but are people upset that this game is not being played down in Geelong, even though it makes zero sense to do so? No, I don't think so. Not this time. I think the Deacon, the Deacon uh, Uni Oval is pretty good. That could have um, been handy if, if uh, they decided. Overflow. That. Yeah. No, look. Um, I think everyone understands that with the with the um, the ground being reconstructed, the uh, stage seventy eight of uh, the reconstruction, funded by uh, the marginal seats in local and federal areas. Yeah. Um, it is is not ready, so I think there's no way you could have a final there. But I, d- I definitely think that if Geelong had played Fremantle and and it was a you know next year or whenever it's going to be finished, and there was a capability of holding forty thousand, then there'd, there'd be absolutely no reason not to hold it there. I think that's I think that's legitimate, and um, it obviously depends on how you how you frame the argument about whether the legitimacy is around finishing high, so therefore choosing your venue just from a, a fairness point of view. Or whether it's all about capacity, but I think of forty thousand is is a good way to balance for for the first week of the finals, a good way to balance that out. But 
obviously it's Collingwood and the grounds not at full capacity, so it's a it's a it's a mood argument. Yeah, uh, I wanted to. I don't know, just as a Geelong supporter, whether this is um, a myth or there's actual truth to it. Are Geelong susceptible coming off a buy or a week off? Is that is that a trend or is that just something? I'm well, it's of? certainly a trend uh, up until this year when they were able to um, to have a pretty comfortable win, but. It's, it's, you know, if you say there's two things that have haunted, for want of a better word, Chris Scott, it's been his, his finals record and coming off a bye. Now, the finals record is is real and you can't deny it. The coming off a bye, I don't, I mean, who knows? It's like, you know, teams playing badly at the start of the third quarter, isn't it? Really? It's like, what do you do? You change what you, you're eating too many bananas at halftime. Are you, <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? They've, they've tried all various, various things. And um, it hasn't worked, and um, so I don't know. I mean, all my only theory is um, with the coming off a of buy is this is pretty far fetched, but, but I think what what we've seen with Geelong is their whole environment and the relaxed way that Chris, while well, he can be an intense guy, the the relaxed way that he sets up the running of the footy club, and they have minimum as minimum meetings as possible. Yeah, they all love. The, the, the lifestyle down there, the, the coming and going from the club, it is set up so well. So maybe when they take a bye, they just slow down too much, you know, and they just <laughs> uh, get yeah. out to Hawks, Tommy Hawkins' farm and have a couple of reds and or get on the surfboard and even though it'd be pretty bloody cold at this time of the year, but some of them are crazy enough. And, yeah. um, and maybe they just relax a little bit too much. So that would be the only theory that I could come up with because other than that, it makes very little sense. So I don't think that's something these days there. I just think with the way they train now and, and simulate um, match conditions when they need to, I, I don't think it's an issue. And I think probably for the first time it might work in their favour because they've obviously got a few players that are trying to get back from injury. Yeah, true. Uh, speaking of injury and selection, who, who do you think the biggest selection talking points are for both sides going into this? Is there a little curveball coming our way? Uh, certainly Taylor Adams is the one, isn't it, for Collingwood? And that's just a case of whether he can get fit or not. I can't. I don't see any other um, inclusions at this stage for the Pies. You know, they, they, I mean, they could be on the on the edge. I think uh, McRae played, didn't he, in the last game? So it might yeah, be a little that's change. A, that's the equal. That's the easiest Adams in, yeah. McRae out. That's probably yeah. the so if, chart, that, if Adams yeah. doesn't make it back, whether McRae is out for someone. I'm not entirely sure. Geelong's selection is, uh, I think it's really interesting I, because it's, to me, it's the first time that I can remember that a team has basically 25 regulars because they're, because the way they've rotated, they had a few injuries. Um, you know, guys like Gary Rowan have only played seven or eight games at the back end of the year. Managola fits that, but basically the rest have been rotated through for the year. You know, Danger was injured. So it's been made, against his better judgment to uh, to miss games. So there's, there's genuinely 25 um, or even 26 players that have genuine claims on, on being, you know, first 22 uh, players for Geelong. And I, I think it's there'll be a bit of horses for courses, but they'll actually have to, you know, they'll have to drop a backman. They'll, they'll have to um, choose is Gary Rowe on the third forward and then, which I think they probably will, um, and then just kind of maybe even someone like Sam Manigola actually misses out. Like I think it's, yeah, right. it's, it's, that's how tight it is. It's hard yeah. to know. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the questions over Stanley, Duncan, uh, Cameron, um, 
coming back from injury. But from all we hear, they're all going to come back in. Mm. So Radicalia would definitely go out. Um, but yeah, balancing balancing the rest of that. And Segler played last week, so neither no, neither of those two would play. I don't think. Although Segler offered a, a, quite a bit, gave them food for thought. That'd be a big risk for the first time to play Segler and Stanley together in a final. Yeah. Um, uh, something they haven't been able to trial. So yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. Maybe someone like O'Connor might have to be the sub um, out of defence. And then, and as I said, someone like a Managala or a Myers um, misses out. So it's it's real tight. Yeah, which is probably uh, just further proof of the strength and depth that they have at the moment. Um, it, it is. I think, though, that, you know, their VFL team's not great. So I think it really is. It's one of the case, those cases of, of strong to 26, you know, strong yeah. to 26 or 27. And then after that, you got a whole bunch of kids that have played a hand, couple of them played a handful of games and looked okay. But mm. after that, you know, that'd be, if they had a whole lot of injuries, they could be in trouble, but they've got, you know, most of them fit and a really strong 26 or 27. Yeah. Now, are there any key matchups you're looking forward to? Any one-on-one battles that, uh, that excite you? Yeah, I think there's there's plenty, isn't there? I mean, when you look at the Collingwood defence against that Geelong forward line, like, um, and how probably as much as anything, it's it's how Collingwood play that Geelong forward forward line. We know Murphy's been a bit of a revelation, hasn't he? But um, you know, more and how and and they've obviously tightened things up a bit since the start of the year when Lynch got to them. But Geelong's forward line with it, it's variety and, and Hawkins is the is the yeah. key post, but. Yeah, Cameron, who since he started getting up the ground, that's probably coincided with Geelong really hitting their best form. So trying to, to work out who plays on them, like round three doesn't really give you a great guide to that. Um, and then Stengel and Close as Geelong Smalls, along with Rowan as that sort of third forward. Um, you know, the other guys getting up and back up the ground and putting that forward pressure on. I, I think that's probably the that's probably the end of the ground that um it, it excites me the most in terms of what to watch for. Other than that, yeah. I guess it's just that, you know, the, the pure battles in the midfield. I don't think Geelong's midfield is its absolute strength. And and maybe if Adams is not there for Collingwood, it, maybe it's not theirs either. But um, so I think it's a really good, really, in some ways, really even matchup in there. But, you know, Danger's come back and shown enough. Selwood, um, he'll have that. He's played well coming off weeks off this year. So he's, he's still a force to be reckoned with around the, around the footy. Um, and Stanley's had a really good year. So I think he's, if he's fit, he, he plays in the ruck and, and blitz his, his versatility. Does, does he go and tag someone? And where does Pendles play? Does blitz go to him or does he, does he go to somebody else? Um, and then, yeah. And, and I suppose at the other end, um, Elliot and Ginevan, um, but Geelong probably historically haven't been great against those small forwards. So yeah, right. Colin is the other one we talked about. He's coming back off a, a concussion. So presuming he is fit to play, he might get one of those smalls, but Hughes will probably get the other one. So, um, so yeah, I, I think there's, there's lots of battles, but it's, it's probably the collective, you know, overall it's the collective um, when you get to this time of the year, it's, it's the pressure that Geelong have been able to apply this year, probably more so than ever before. Um, and it's that Collingwood spirit that if they can stay close and um, stay in the game, then um, even if some of those the, the, you know, the contested numbers or whatever against them, it, it doesn't stop them, it seems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll finish up on this one. Now, I saw a video. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, it's of um, Andy Marr and Jared Waitley in the commentary box for the <laughs> Collingwood-Carlton game. Now, poor Andy Marr, obviously a Carlton supporter, 
um, was going through all sorts of um, internal and external trauma watching the last two minutes of that game. Now, put yourself in his shoes, but let's say you're actually calling the game. What's going through your head? Uh, you're a Carlton supporter and you're watching that unfold right in front of you, but you have to keep your professionalism and call properly. How do you do I think it? it? I think it's easier if you're calling. It's harder if you're sitting there and not calling. I don't, I don't know if that <laughs> makes sense or not, but if you're calling, you're just doing your job and it's much easier to just focus on that. And Like I, when I'm calling a Geelong game, yeah, occasionally an umpire decision, I've got to just calm down. <laughs> um, if they're playing really crap, you know, in the early days before they'd won a flag, I was definitely more emotional about it. Yeah. Um, if they were playing badly, it would more be a case of, you know, Bomber Thompson, come on, make a move. Come on, well, this is hopeless. You're hopeless, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, poor old Mari. <laughs> That's, yeah, in, in that, you just feel totally helpless in that situation. And, um, yeah. and it was a great call by Jared, but it was it was pretty, pretty yeah. tough on, it was a, on Yeah, Mari, it was great audio and great video. As a Collingwood supporter, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff, Carlton, that's what I say. They, they, they tortured me in 1995. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and I grew up in Bendigo, which was a Carlton catchment area, and so plenty of my good mates were uh, growing up with Carlton supporters, and they used to win flags for fun. So like, we can keep the torture going a bit longer, can't yeah, we? Why not? Oh, absolutely we can. Um, so what's your tip for this game, Pato? My tip is... Geelong leading by 35 points at three-quarter time. And Collingwood, yourself in. Collingwood kicks the next seven goals <laughs> to hit the front. And then Geelong, hang on, how's my maths? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Geelong yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of points and then Dangerfield kicks one just as the siren goes and Geelong get home by two. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I can, yeah, I like it. Well, I don't like the result, but I like, I like where your head's at <laughs> in terms of the close game. I reckon we could go overtime this one. Yeah, well, yeah, could, we, we could. And, I mean, that could, could have been a draw the other day. And it well, would be yeah, fascinating I, in the ground, won't it? Like, if Geelong are up by that, maybe not 35, but if they're up by 15 or 20, yeah, yeah. everyone's going to expect it. And the other thing I always find, one thing I've never really liked is when um, players say, oh, I don't know how true it is, but, you know, we're up by four goals at halftime and we, and we, we knew they were going to come. We, we, we prepared them. We knew they were going to come. It's like, well, it's a pretty negative mindset to go, we're four goals up, but the other team's really good, so they're going to come back. Yeah. Like, I know you've got to be wary for it. So it'd be interesting. I guess the point I'm going to make is is how does Chris Scott coach that at, at um, you know, if it's 15, 20 points in front of three quarters? Do you completely ignore Collingwood's history or do you mention it then? I mean, I imagine they'll have done all the prep during the week, but still yeah, be interesting exactly. to see what, what, yeah. what he would say. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Collingwood's pretty much just like as long as we can be four or five goals within touch, three quarter time, we're we're on. Yeah. And then Geelong, knowing that, it's like, well, what what have you done in the past two weeks to counter what you know is coming? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think there's there is something in the fact that Geelong have had a pretty weak run in. Like we, they really haven't had that since probably the Melbourne game. You know, they they've had a pretty easy yeah, inverted commas run in in terms of opposition so you know these days they make all that up with training and whatever else and intensity and they're professional but I think that's real so you talked about the buy I think 
you know, Geelong's pressure this year has been outstanding, but they'll they'll want to bring it from the start. That's for sure. Maybe they'll maybe they'll go for reverse psychology and try and be behind at three. Oh, no, no, there you go. <laughs> and come back and do it to Collingwood as as we said they did last yeah. time. What Collingwood have done to other teams. Yeah, exactly. Mate, really, really appreciate you uh, coming on, and thank you for your time. And um, hopefully, it's a it's a belting game. Uh, but thanks for thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate no, it. It's a pleasure. Great to be part of um, part of your show and that backdrop. <laughs> Looking forward to your uh, your thirty year anniversary when you're uh, running out on the ground. Yeah, I'll I hold the wait. banner. Actually, my sixteen year old will be uh, nineteen by then. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, mate. Cheers, lads. I'm happy. I'm happy that he sledged the office. Yeah, I, I am too. He he he, uh, he hit you, and you just had to cop that sweet. So thank you to Fox Footies Anthony Hudson. Do you think it was because I insulted his hat pretty much from the get go? Yeah, yeah. Well, you started it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mommy started it. Yeah, no, nah, that that one seemed to didn't seem to land. That's okay. No, a lot of stuff. Fine. No, no, he's yeah, very good. Uh, we thank him for his time. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. So for the last game, we head over to the West Optus Stadium. Optus doesn't have the same ring to it as Subiaco. No, no. Has just. No. just well, w- was it used to be the WACA ground as yeah. well over there? They had two really good names. They did. Yeah. But this one doesn't have a massive feel to it, Optus Stadium. No, no. And. Um, Anyway, anyway, regardless of how it feels, it's still hosting a final. It's hosting a big final, and uh, we're elimination gonna, final. Yep, and we've got a big name to talk about it. Yeah, so for the Fremantle Western Bulldogs game, which is at eight ten on a Saturday night, Eastern I'll be honest, Standard Time. Yep. Yeah, our time. We don't we don't do Perth time. Though we are worldwide, but yeah, we are worldwide, wide, wide, wide. I'll be honest with you, I was really nervous to speak to this man. Yeah, he's got a presence. He, he does has have a presence, an absolute presence, but. This this one this was a this was a great chat. This was yeah. a this is all I hope for and more. We had maybe when you think of the Western Bulldogs, yeah. you think of Brad Johnson. Well, you'd be mad not to. Yeah, three hundred and sixty four, three hundred sixty four so games. That was off the top of my head. Yeah, I like that nine hundred and fifty thousand goals. Sure, just an unbelievable, an unbelievable player, an unbelievable presence, as you said, and just a. A very, very well suited, very well suited personality to jump into the media game straight away. So, yeah, for sure, um, we're very, very fortunate to have him on to talk about uh, this game. So, we will throw it to him now. Okay, we are joined by six-time All-Australian, three-time Best and Ferris winner and games record holder for the Western Bulldogs with 364 of the best of them, Fox Footy and K-Rock's own Brad Johnson. G'day, Jono. <laughs> K-Rock's own. <laughs> I'm on Monday morning for half an hour, that's it. <laughs> 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 so actually, I'm a bit disappointed with that, bud. You know what, mate? Because you should have actually just been able to roll that off, mate. We've known each other for a long time. I know. I, know, I just look down. You got it off wiki. Come on, mate. You're better than that. I know. I, I do apologise. I, I didn't know everything except the 364. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. <laughs> I don't want to sting you any games, mate. No, no. Um, how are things? How you doing? Yeah, really well. Yeah, everything's going. Everything's going well. Busy. 
getting towards the uh, business end now, which is great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome final series. So the, the season over a whole has been so much better than the last few years. Uh, the game's opened up, so we've all enjoyed it. And I think the final series is going to be uh, an absolute cracker. Absolutely. And the uh, the final we want to talk to you about is the first elimination final. Western Bulldogs, your mighty Bulldogs take on Fremantle Saturday, 8.10 p.m. from Optus Stadium. Um, last time they played was round 21, so not that long ago. Frio 14-11-95 defeated the Bulldogs 11-12-78 by 17 points. Um, what is exciting you about this first final, mate? Oh, the fact that we actually made it. I think that's that's a huge win for, for all Doggies fans this year. It was it was an up and down year. I actually didn't expect us to to get there in the end. Um, but you know, thankfully Carlton dropped away. I thought they would have um, you know, cleaned up a final spot, no worries. But they dropped away at the end of the season and it just kept the door open for the dogs with the draw they had with their last couple of games of the year. So look, we're in. It's uh, it's it's actually amazing that we are. Um, and look, my expectation is not not overly um, not overly high or anything like that. I think we sort of fell in in the end. I think we, we understand that, but I think we're still our form is reasonable leading into these leading into these this final. So Frio doesn't scare the Bulldogs. Um, I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty tight, pretty tough game. And yeah, I think they'll go in reasonably confident they could probably walk away with it. The dogs love this position anyway. They they don't want to win the flag from the top four. They yeah, that's too easy. From, from make a grand final from outside. Outside yeah. the top four. So, you know, who, who knows, honestly? Um, it's it's been a tight, tough season, but at the moment I'm probably leaning towards, you know, them them not traveling as well throughout this final series than we've seen in previous ones. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about what do you reckon their mentality will be the way they got in, you know, like like right to the death, watching Collingwood win in the last minute, not knowing that they're gonna be in. Will their mentality be more of a this is a bit of a free swing, free hit at it. Or do you think they'll be a bit more focused? You know, it's just a different way of getting in. No, they'll definitely be more. They'll definitely be focused. I think. Um, I, I think they'll be more when they, on reflection, they'll be disappointed with some of the games they lost during the during the season to put themselves in the position to rely on other teams to lose, and in the end, they had to rely on on Carlton to to lose. But throughout the last few weeks, you know, they they've played Melbourne. They they beat Melbourne in round. Um, in round 19, they beat St Kilda in round uh, round 18. So round 20, they they got smashed by by Geelong down in down in Geelong, and then a tough game against Frio where they lost by 17 points. So they played the good teams in the in this run home to to yeah. the finals, and they haven't been blown out of the park. And to beat Melbourne's a, a bit of a confidence boost there, and then to beat GWS and Hawthorne the way they did was was perfect. So I think you know from from that. They'll have some confidence about them, but it's still, I think, across the across the park, it's based on the midfield. If the midfield are absolutely on fire, then the dogs can win. If yeah. the midfield are breaking even or just getting beat, I find it, you know, difficult for for them to restrict the opposition scoring. I, I did notice the Western Bulldogs socials put out a video of them at a hotel watching the game and sort of reacting after Carlton <laughs> lost in a horrific fashion. I did notice there were maybe a couple of great Northerns just sort of floating around. How quickly do you think the team staff just sort of came in and just secured the last remnants of those great Northerns before, uh, before things got a little bit, uh, a little bit carried away down there in Hobart or Launceston, yeah, wherever they were. I think so. They were at a hotel, weren't they watching it? Um, yeah. Well, they got on their, got on their flight. So yeah, it was, um, 
Oh, no, a couple of beers after the game's fine. Yeah, no issues. That anyway, you know what I mean? Like, that's just when the beer bomb comes out, it's a bit of an <laughs> issue. It's <laughs> a bit more of a problem, isn't it? <laughs> roll the kegs in. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, roll it back. We won. We, they, they lost. They lost. Roll it back. <laughs> just making the finals. So I think that deserves celebration in itself anyway, just making the finals. So, look, um, you know, I was in that position – Oh, I reckon it was with 2007, might have been 2005, where one of those years we um we had to rely on, I think it was either Essendon or Hall of Melbourne to lose their final game. And we're at the Spotswood Bowls Club, just sitting around <laughs> watching Bowls the country. Game, not drink, not drinking. And then three-quarter time, um, it was pretty tight still. One of the teams, one of the one of the teams kicked a few goals that we didn't want to win. Started the last quarter, we knew it was game over. We got on the beers halfway through. <laughs> That was that was it. Our year was our year was done. But it was a it was a shocking day, honestly. Sitting there waiting for a team to to win or lose to determine whether we got on the beer, beers or not. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. So that's why I can understand the excitement of actually you know the club being on the other side of it this time, where relying on teams to lose. That team did lose by one point of all margins, and yeah. you know the clubs into the into another final series. Yeah. Where do you think the game will be won or lost for each side? Oh, it's the it's the midfielder. Like I teased it a little bit earlier, but I think with all the Bulldogs superstar players are, are in the midfield, so they've got to get enough ball down to you know Norton and and Jamari Ugalhagen. The smalls haven't been going as well as what they were in the first half of the year. Um, Sam Darcy was pretty good last week. Mm, all two in that two in that uh, second quarter, and then taking a few good marks as well. Um, in the forward half of the ground, so that was a bit of a a bit of a surprise, but it worked. And I I just think it's in the midfield because that's where Frio's main players are as well. That their back Frio's back six is really strong. Mm. When you've got Pierce Ryan and Cox as the three tools, you got Young as a runner, Clark as a runner. Um, so all of a sudden they're difficult to stop. So the repeat entries, the amount of ball the Bulldogs can get in there just to put them under the pump. Otherwise, they're going to set the ground up too well. They'll compress up if they if their midfielders get on top. And they're going to be too difficult to, to get through. So that's the biggest challenge for, for the dogs. And and the biggest challenge for Freo is to match them in the midfield. Um, you know, that's, you know, English English versus Darcy is going to be a great matchup. I think certainly around the ground. Uh, you know, you've got one player who's athletically really good in Tim English and then Darcy's just the bulk in the in the, in the middle of the ground that's hard to get past. So it's um, there's, there's going to be some great battles everywhere. You just mentioned a good matchup, English and uh, Darcy there. Um, any other ones that spring to mind, mate? Oh, look, whoever. It's probably McRae versus um, Brayshaw, I think. That's probably that, – yeah. that, that's a really good matchup that will probably um, probably come together. And then oh, it's probably more whether the dogs can restrict – whoever their half forwards are on the night can restrict the run of Clark and, and Young off halfback for – for Frio, they're the real ball users for for them who break the lines and and um, and deliver the ball pretty well forward of centre. So I think the half forwards for the dogs have got a got a big job to do. Uh, the the Bond versus Mundy potentially two big two big bulls in the in the yeah. middle in the middle of the ground. Norton versus Pierce, I think will be a ripping matchup um, at one end of the ground and um, and that's where you know I, th- I think they're they're probably the key matchups across. They're the match winners there. You know Norton's got to kick four or five goals possibly for the dogs to to win this game or at least take four or five contested marks in the forward half of the ground. So yeah, there's going to be some some key matchups all over the place, but they're probably the main ones, I think. Yeah. You mentioned before that the Fremantle doesn't scare the Western Bulldogs. Now 
typically when the West Coast were at their fly, high-flying best, obviously they're not this year, traveling to Perth was like the biggest nightmare for any team. Like there's just something about, is there's just something about Fremantle and traveling to there that just doesn't really scare you as much, despite the fact that they're obviously one of the, for most of it, one of the top four sides of the, of the comp for most of the year. Yeah, look, from, from that point of view, yeah, they're dangerous. But I think the, the reason I say it is because of, you know, the dogs playing a grand final there last year, you know, and having mm. a final series where, yeah, they had to work through a couple of states to get to that point. But they played enough footy at that venue over the last couple of years that they understand it well. Back in the day, it was it was always a challenge going to Subiaco when we when we used to play there because the ground was so long. Mm. So it was a different setup to what we are used to, um, you know, at any other ground around the country. So, and it was always sort of daunting from, from that point of view uh, more than anything. So I don't think Optus Stadium in terms of the actual venue holds that threat to any side because of what they've had to deal with the last couple of years and played a lot of footy, mm. played a lot of footy on it. Um, and it's just basically the old silence the crowd early and, and hope, uh, hope you can sort of, you know, keep them nice and quiet throughout, throughout the game. And that's the only aspect that, that builds from an opposition point of view is when the, when the opposition crowds just going nuts at you and um, it's, it's tougher to concentrate. It's tougher to hear your, hear your teammate, all those things that, that come into it um, and start entering your mind a little bit. So you're going to shop early, mate. That's the key. <laughs> Cheers, you do, bud. Shop early. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> so that, obviously, Charlie Sutton's little uh, little comment there, but I think that was whacking the opposition before they... Which is fine. If the shoe fits. So much get on the scoreboard or anything like that. <laughs> now, are there any... Do you foresee any selection? Any selection... Um, dramas. Dramas or something that might be left of centre with... Like Bevo always seems to throw in a bit of a curveball here or there. Yeah, uh, probably, probably not. I think I think Riley West is one that would certainly challenge for a spot within mm. the uh, within the dogs within the dogs lineup. So I'm just having a look now at the uh, the lineups from from last week, and uh, I think everyone that played well, even even Rourke Smith last week played really well. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden you go, okay, well. He probably holds his spot in the um in in the twenty two because of his his performance last week. So I don't think Bevo. I think the Bulldogs are reasonably fit. I don't think there's yeah. too, I don't think there's too many on the sidelines that that are, are going to you know knock down the door. There's no superstars out waiting waiting to come back. So would it be um would it be controversial to suggest maybe Darcy goes forward and Bruce misses out and you bring in a Riley West? Yeah, well that's it. That that's the other option, isn't it? It just depends on on what they do as that second ruck option and whether they just use Bruce for, for that, which they did yeah, again right. on the weekend. Yeah. Look, his output hasn't been great on return from, from his knee and, you know, he's been dropped once from that. But it's sort of half understandable as well. You know, guys coming back from a knee, it's it's hard to come back right at the business end of the season. Mm, yeah, yeah. You yeah it's, 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 very, it's very rare that you see a player, player achieve that. Yeah. So he's got a few games under his belt now. They may be... They may be looking at still playing him potentially more from a matchup point of view than, than anything else. And, but that's the only thing that'll keep him in the team. I think is that fact of playing as a second ruck. They're not going to do that to Darcy yet up forward. Norton can play forward ruck if they need to, but maybe that's, maybe that's what they need to do to, if, if, especially if Frio go with, um, with Meek as well in the middle of the ground. So mm. they've got the two, then I think the dogs will, will have to um, look at that from a selection point of view. Yeah, we'll we'll finish up with this one. Obviously, this elimination final. Both of these lists are at probably different directions. I'm I don't want, I don't want to say that 
the Bulldogs are on a downward spiral, but Frio is obviously very okay, up and coming. That's what it's going to come across as. That's fine. Everyone can attack me. I go for Port Adelaide. Fuck my life. We suck. That's fine. How do you think the off-season plays out for each of these teams if they lose? Because I like to be negative, apparently. <laughs> are you a Port Adelaide man, Avery? Uh, I'm a yeah. He's a oh, he's a proper. Haven't they, haven't they got off scot free? They they played the Bulldogs. In oh, they haven't got off scot free. Like if you listen to the show, I give them wax every week. Broad, broad, yeah. Broadly speaking, they have absolutely. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Oh, I've whacked them heaps. <laughs> so they look from a from a Bulldogs point of view. Um, yeah, look, playing in a grand final in 2016, not playing finals the following year, and then the build the build up um, to playing in the grand final last year, and and then pretty much getting to that point now where they've just slipped into the into the finals again. A finals win will will calm that a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. A finals loss. Well, and I've said this the whole way along from 20, 2017 onwards, is how do the Bulldogs become a top four team consistently? Because they've never achieved that. Yeah. The, they've won the flag and made another grand final. They haven't been during a home and away season a top four team. Mm. So I think now they're starting to look at that from a trade point of view with the with the word around Rory Lobb and um, and potentially a Leon Jones to help it pull back if he comes back and plays yeah. AFL footy. So I think structurally... They need to do a couple of things to in the off season to help help themselves a little bit more become that that team that can push for a top four spot, um, and that's the biggest challenge for for them. Frio's on Frio's on the rise, so mm. I think everyone's wrapped with the way Frio have, Frio have gone. You know, I said a few years ago that you know that that within three to five years they'd probably win a flag, and I still believe that. I think they've got a premiership back six in the making, Frio. And if you get a if you get a, a back six that's healthy, and this is the first year that their back six has been together for a long time. Yeah. They've had injuries all the time. So their back six is really strong. They've got a great combination and their midfielders are starting to build really good careers now. And they've still probably got another 12 months of development in them before they've really hit their peak in Brayshaw and Sarong and these guys. So all of a sudden their front half is where strategically, I think they need to look at some, some changes yeah. potentially and whether five holds down a, a spot up, up in the forward line more often now with, with um, his role in the side into the future. So I think it's more around that for these teams. Frio's on the rise, yep, no question. Bulldogs strategically have to do some things to the list to give themselves a chance to become a top four team because they're they got the they got uh, a truckload of talent on the list. It's just trying to harness that to become you know more consistent. Absolutely. Um, thank you, mate. Now, just before we let you go, uh, the AFLW season has started, and there's a product that you founded, which is uh, I want you to talk about Xena Sport. Please, please tell us what Xena Sport is all about. Uh, Bud, you're a nice man, mate. Yeah, Xena is um, it's a protective vest for females playing any type of contact sport. So we started with the AFLW. Um, it's got breast and rib protection, specifically designed for the for the female athlete. So uh, my wife Donna has done a done a great job with with the um, designing it and bringing it to life. And and I'm just sort of working for her now, guys. So that's <laughs> in the business with you which is great. She was such a great support for me for a long time. And um, so, yeah, so the AFLW, we, we last year we had about 80 girls wear it in season, which was yeah, great. great. Hopefully, um, you know, extend those numbers um, this year, which is which is awesome. The girls love wearing it. It's extremely light, doesn't restrict your movement, but gives you good good protection um, as well. And and now we're in probably about 25 sports in, in a small way, but we're growing as a, as a company. We've only been going for a couple of years. So it's, it's exciting. So anyone that, is looking to you know protect their 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 child playing footy or any other type of contact sport from the age of seven up. 
then check out, you know, Xena Sport. Um, and yeah, we're happy to happy to work with you to to protect your your kids while they're playing sport. And if you're an adult playing, well, we've got a vest for for everyone. So participation rates are huge, guys, and we we just love being involved in in the female space. It's been it's been good fun. Awesome, mate. Well done. Well, thank you for your time to, tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, so it's Fox Footies own Brad Johnson. We'll, we'll piss off the other mob. Well, the K Rock, <laughs> the K Rock's almost the best achievement. What you read? Like, don't worry about the oh, yeah, don't worry about the, the six-time All Australian, three-time Best and Fairest. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. K Rock's a great station. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant, and literally, it's literally three minutes from my house, so it's even. Yeah. It's even better. <laughs> no, thank you, mate. Uh, really appreciate it. No worries. Enjoy the finals. Just, he just like oozes just, just class, class, charismatic vibes. Yeah, no, he's like, a good man. Thank you to Fox Footies and K Rock. Wow, no, scrubbing them. He, he wasn't, he, he's like, no, nah, nah. just, just, you know, no, uh, Fox Footies own Brad Johnson. So, thank you very much to him and uh, thank you to all the boys because we really do appreciate yep. uh, taking the time out of their busy schedule to chat to two absolute nuffies about absolute. Footy. Peasants, <laughs> football peasants. Um, so you know they're, they're all great chats. Yeah. No, you, you, you got your rolodex out for this. I did. I did. Yeah. I, well, I, if I'm going to promise something, I want to deliver it, and that's You'd that's all. So. That's that's all I wanted to do. So on the back of that, mm. for the rest of the for the rest of the finals campaign, here's what I'm going to promise. Oh boy, nothing. Okay, because <laughs> I can't deliver. I anything. can hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> But no, nah, that was a honestly much better than what we would have done just sitting here. No, well, they're the experts, and that's why they're paid. Um, I don't know what they're paid, but that's why they they are in the positions they are in to talk about footy, and yeah. uh, they they know it better than anyone else. You know why that will be a lot more enjoyable for the listeners? Uh, no, because if we sat here mm. and spoke about it, mm. we probably would have consumed more. Um, alcoholic beverages, not Riley beverages. Uh, and the by the time we got to the fourth game, it would have started to sound like pitter patter on the roof. It would have been look potentially. I mean, gibberish. By the time we got to Collingwood Geelong, I would have been chanting. Oh. Um, yes, as as my dog just I would have taken, sighs I would have in the taken, background. I would have taken my dentures out, oh. and it would have been full Collingwood Nuffy mode. So no, we we thank those boys for saving uh, everyone else from that. Yeah, no, well said. Um, before we depart, yep, you you've had a big week. I, uh, as Dennis Pagan used to say, I got on Media Street. You, <laughs> I thought that was the I thought it was the Hollywood sledge coming again. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. That's traumatic. Um, yeah, I was on Media Street. I uh, set the scene. So well, a lot of people would have seen this video. Yeah, for if, those who and, haven't, and if not, up. and look, we, we will. We uh, are going to share. We'll it, post yes. the link as well. But uh, um, the story was, I uh, had to direct a a um, a promo video for House of the Dragon, which is uh, now playing on Foxtel. Yeah, uh, check local guides. No um, free ads. How many times <laughs> do I have to say it? Although I did watch the episode and I liked it. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, spoiler good. alert. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, so as part of like a cross promotion. Uh, we got um, Jonathan Brown, Nick Revolt, and Sarah Jones to do a little promo for it. And then about an hour before the shoot, so I'm organising the, you know, making sure the 
the sets right and talking with the the cameraman and the lighting guys and making sure. So I'm I'm worried about just making sure well, my job. Yeah, I'm making sure that my job is you're there to handled. do one job. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, which is to make this promo video work. Um, and then about an hour beforehand, uh, Brownie was doing a podcast, so he was he was the last to arrive. Um, and the producer of Best on Ground, the show on Fox Footy. Um, very good show, mind you. After the um, Saturday night game. Yep. Very, very yep. good very good show. So Ben Roberts, a good mate of mine, um, who produces that show, uh, and Nick Rewalt came up to me and said, oh, we've got an idea, because Best on Ground uh, had to promote this, the show as well. Yeah. I said, we've got an idea. Um, we want you to stitch up Brownie. Um Oh yeah, and they're like, um, have you seen what yeah, he looks like? We just we just want you to do like just just no matter what happens, just keep doing take after a take um, until he snaps. I was like, okay, like you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of not going to say no at that point. Um, I did, although I did, I did say to them, like I was going to say, it's probably going to take a lot for Brownie to snap at me because I, I've worked with Brownie since he started at Fox Footy, which was seven years ago. I, I did the first. Went up to his house in Corumban and did a promo shoot with him when he was first announced at Fox Footy. Yeah, right. Um, so I've known known him for seven years. So uh, I thought it's going to take a bit for him to actually. Like, if it had been some nuffy sort of fly in director, yeah, who he didn't know, well, I reckon. Does, I reckon does, he's, he'd snap yeah. pretty quick. Right? He does say that. He just says, "You like it? I yeah, like it." Yeah, exactly. So, um, so Brownie came in. Um, so Jonesy and and Rewald, Nick Rewald are obviously in on the joke. Um, and I just honestly, it was just off the top of my head. I just had to. I was just trying to come up with excuses to do another take. Um, and so, can, can, you know, can we can we explain what the commercial is? Because it's for it's it's a ridiculous commercial. Well, the, think- the the commercial itself is just they're they're um, at a live broadcast, and all of a sudden, a massive dragon has swooped down. <laughs> And which scorches is them, which is perfect. Which is which is great. And so, yeah, and the idea was they get you know the fireball engulfs the frame. We cut to a trailer of House of the Dragon and yeah. come back to them, and they're all scorched. And and he says a one liner. So, um, so the actual premise of the promo itself was not difficult. No, like, like he nailed it. Honestly, he probably nailed it on the fourth take. Like the, the first three takes, I was actually directing him because yeah. he, he wasn't getting it right. And then on the fourth take, he got it. Um, and then everything, so everything after that is me just trying to just just fuck with him, just fuck with him and and um and yeah, and and successfully. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, oh. man. Uh, so yeah, look, have a look at it. Uh, and then he, like he took it, he took it really well. I yeah. felt bad doing it, but then I sort of I've had a few people say, look, he loves that stuff, and yeah, it's all for content and all for and, the, and for all all for the good of the show. Yeah, um, and. I did do a shoot um, a week later, um, last Friday uh, night um, at the MCG, and he was involved in that. And yeah, I did say, I did say that because you 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 missed the um, you missed the Melbourne Brisbane game. Yeah, I was, was texting that, you about. Yeah, that it. was the night. That, yeah, so I, I didn't see any of that game. We were doing the shoot there, and when I saw him, he, the first thing he said was, "Oh, not you again." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "Are we okay?" Um, so no, he took it. He took it very well. Please, um, can we be okay? <laughs> no, please don't. Um, but I get the I get the strong impression if there wasn't a, a whole heap of crew around, I'd be probably picking my teeth up off the floor. Well, that's that's what when he said he's like, "You're lucky. I like you." Like yeah. that. If you have yeah. that fly in 
you know, yeah. no name director that yeah, doesn't he, know. Yeah, he would have a lot of But um, ended. And as, as I tweeted, um, seven years to build trust and 30 minutes to tear <laughs> it all down. 30 minutes to absolutely destroy and shatter destroy. all of it. So, look, uh, look, a lot of fun, and he took it very well. Some of your best work, like, you, you've. How do you think you go in the um, as a thespian? Uh, I. It's all I would say is because I've worked. It's going to sound a like word. Uh, no, well, that's an actor. Well, yeah, it's an actor. Yeah, yeah. thespian. Yeah, I would just say like I've I've been in telly for literally twenty years, so I've seen a lot of what you need to do to be yeah. successful in front of camera. I haven't done it myself, but I know what works and what doesn't work. So I come in with that base. Yeah. So I know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, you you come in with the uh, the certificate three. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. Certificate three. You're like a you're like every personal trainer. It's going to upset um, some people. But you do you do have to um, step outside yourself. You have to sort of you know it's almost like you're watching yourself do it because if you get. You know, I'd be like anyone. Though. You become self conscious and that. And you yeah, start, you become up like yeah, tired, then, rigid. So you have to almost become a character. Honestly, yeah. um, were you rigid when you convinced Gary Ablett Junior, maybe like one of the best players to ever play the game, that it was him fanning you on that banana lounge? No, that was Barry Hall and Cam Mooney. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> two, of the, <laughs> two of the hard men, two of the hardest men in AFL yeah. history, and you were going to say, "Hey, guys." What I'm going to do, I'm actually going to lie on this. Banana. Well, that was that. That was well. That story was embarrassing as well. Like uh, mate, a good mate of mine was directing that, and it was his idea. And the guy that was meant to do it pulled out last minute, and he's like, "Can you do it?" For-? I was like, "Oh, I don't really." That is want a. It. And then he said, "Honestly, it's a summer promo for Fox Footy. Yeah. No one's going to see it." And it became one of the most played <laughs> promos in the history of Fox Sports. So many people to the saw point it. to the point where the like the CEO. Fox CEO said, geez, I've seen your head a lot um, lately. And I was like, like perfect. oh, my God. As I'm looking. Um, I used to get like screenshots of yeah. of my big fat head uh, getting fanned by Mooney and Hall <laughs> constantly that summer. So that was, that was – and that was one of the last things I did until this. So, yeah. Yeah, that was good. No, it's good fun. And, yeah, have a look. It's yeah. all good fun. As I said, he, um, he handled it very well. He really did. But um, no, it was it was very very well done, and I don't know how you kept a straight face. Like I oh, straight up lose it, <laughs> I straight up lose it. it. Lost it at some of those. I've watched it like four or five times. It, I still laugh at it. Yeah, it. it um, as I said, you just got to you sort of step outside yourself and just do it. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. and then just whatever comes to your head, and uh, that's sort of what happened. Yeah. Much like Jared Whateley. exactly. Exactly like Jared Wayne. Not comparing the two of you. Not comparing genius, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything's subjective. Yeah, very much so. Um, Um, But yeah, no, great episode. Yeah, look, I I enjoyed it and um, I hope everyone else out there did, as always. If they they didn't, there's not much more. What else else can we do? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, But no, thank you for listening. We do Mm. appreciate it, as always. Um, Before we go, do we want to do... Do we want? Did we do our tips for the for the week? I'm not sure if we did. We may as well just do them. And, yeah, we didn't. We didn't really. We let the experts do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, okay. Brisbane, Richmond. Who Richmond. you got? Yeah. yeah, I think Richmond win. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Uh, what's the next one? Melbourne, Sydney. Melbourne, Sydney. Very tough one. I can't. I, if Brisbane. 
didn't lose to Melbourne the way they lost, I probably yeah. would have said Sydney. Yeah. But it's you, Melbourne, Melbourne playing like that's unbeatable. I'm going Sydney, and I'm also uh, letting everyone know that Sydney are currently six dollars. Um, gamble if, responsibly. Gamble please. responsibly always. And if um, if Sydney win, they'll automatically like they'll get a prelim final SCG. They'll automatically come into three bucks. Yeah, correct. Give or take. So I'm um, in the industry, so I can confirm yeah, that. Yeah. So I think um, a great bet and one that I have already done myself is mm. Sydney. For the flag at six dollars, because if they beat Melbourne, which I suspect they they will, they're they're very hard to beat. No, can't fault you for that. Geelong Collingwood. Um, like I said when we were talking to Hato, I, I, I um, Collingwood have won, have played in so many close games. It's so odd not to play in a draw in one of those. Mm. And I did again. I put this on Twitter. Gamble responsibly. I put a I I put money on the draw for Collingwood Carlton. I was a point off. Um, and she I just this. think mm. Collingwood have played so many close games that a draw is inevitable, but um, I still think Geelong will win, whether that's in overtime or just regulation time. I think Geelong are just too, just got too many uh, big names across the park, and Collingwood just cannot handle big boys, and they've got two good big boys. Yeah, correct. And lastly, Fremantle. Oh, oh, did Geelong. I not give a tip? No. Oh, yeah, Geelong, that's a... I'm not going Collingwood. I've no, given true. Collingwood enough praise, which has not even been that much. No, which is enough. Uh, yeah, no, Geelong for me. Yeah, uh, too good, too good in in all areas for me. I uh-huh. think it'll be very close. I think it, like it will be less than a goal. Okay, Jesus. Um, I don't know if my ticket can keep taking. This. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it must. It's gonna be a bumper one. It must. Um, and then yeah, uh, Fremantle Western Bulldogs. I think I think Dockers. Exist. Yeah, I think so. I love Fremantle. Like I can't. Yeah, you you you're on them since the start. Yeah, of the year. I can't hide that the fact I don't. This isn't their year. No, it's not their year. This is not their year. But oh, there's so many. There's so many like good players. Yeah, like you can't not be excited. Well, um, like this, you know, have like, you seen this Nathan O'Driscoll? Yeah. Jesus Christ, he is going to be some kind of footballer. Yeah. Look, the Dockers, if the Dockers do knock over the Bulldogs um, and Collingwood lose, as we suspect, it's a Frio Collingwood semi final at the G, and that, they're not without a chance there, Frio. No, not at all. I mean, they beat Melbourne at the G. Yeah, so. Yeah. Interesting. Their, their path, if they win this game, is interesting. Yeah, no. And that's what's that? The, the young. Who was saying about the young side? The, the Sydney. Ben Dixon, mm. the young side, you know, they yeah. just have that. And no fear. No fear. Yeah, they, 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 they don't have an experience, so they just go in yeah. wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. Exactly. And so it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see them make a prelim. Yeah. I just don't think they've got that. Like, I think at some point in time, you do need that experience. Port Adelaide kind of yeah. has seen that in, the, in, in, the, in those prelims where you've got guys who have sort of been there and done that, just yeah. kind of smashed them in those important moments. Yeah, and yeah, so, um, but yeah, uh, looking Should forward to it. Hopefully, as, mm. as long as we get four good games, that's all I'm worried about. Yep, not well said. Be it, Tim, thank you very much. Shop Always early. Pleasure, never a chore. Until next time. Yep, see you later.